oh, I forgot I'm the host. Right. Got it. Let's do this. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode... Uh, good start. This is going to be fun. Good, because I'm old and don't understand what a fig is. <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> I had a joke then. So not appropriate. Speaking of riding things, no, no, the floor is yours, sir. <laughs> will the gentleman yield the floor? He will not. <laughs> okay, then. Just going to scream at you. No kizzy. Oh, it is me. Oh, look at that. <clears throat> Sorry, I was trying to mute and it didn't work. Talk, talk, talk. Discuss. Talk, talk, talk. That was incredible. To answer your question, Grant, I'm pretty sure it's six. Is it? I think so. Okay, cool. Well, yeah, yeah. That was official talk. <laughs> Technical term. Tell me that wasn't good. I need more pay. Phenomenal. Right. Let me catch my breath. <laughs> I love that was like crystal clear from the mountaintops. What's the deal? You got to really emphasize that question because yeah. no one can answer it. <laughs> Maybe one day that question will be answered. No. no. <laughs> everyone and welcome to episode 72 of the plastic posse podcast we are ever so glad you could be joining us for your number one scale modeling podcast today i am joined by my lovely co-host but two are missing today unfortunately jb is swinging it up with a luxury life in london and unfortunately tj is getting a tan for his pasty skin so filling in for them two today we have zachary grizzle and jackson stanton um how the devil are you two i'm good i got woken up 10 minutes ago uh, by Jackson because I didn't set an alarm. Uh, but other than that, we're doing pretty good. We're doing pretty good. I also woke up like an hour ago. School's out now, so I've had a lot more time to do free stuff and not just classes. A lot of my friends are also out and about uh, doing fun stuff, so I can't, uh, can't bring them over and have fun with them. So basically, I've just been by myself working on bench stuff. Amazing to hear. And as usual, I am joined by Mr. Scott Gentry, Doug Smith, and Mr. Grant Maybury. How are you three doing? Doing really well, Jensen. That's good to see everybody. I'm doing well, thanks. Uh, yeah, and I'm I'm doing better. Uh, I'm doing really good. I'm, I'm uh, getting some model time in and getting some work done and having fun. Amazing to hear everyone's doing so well. I, on the other hand, am not because uh, I'm in England and it's warm and sweaty and hot. So it means I have to complain about it five times a day at least. So I want to go around the room and find out what everyone's been doing at the bench. We'll start with the kid, Mr. Jackson. What's on your bench? So, like I said, I've had a lot more free time this past semester of school. I, I kind of have been starting a lot of projects and not really finishing them. Um, and on top of that, I've basically been in in a build mode. Uh, I, I don't really want to paint or weather or anything. I've just been in the mood where I all I want to do is put stuff together. So I've got like four or five kits I started this semester. 
And in the last few days, I've really had a lot of free time. So I've just been trying to like finish up those builds, get them to the, I guess, priming stage. On top of that, I've been doing a lot of CAD work lately, uh, some fun little secret projects and a few other odd things. Uh, so that's taken up a lot of my bench time. But yeah, it's been a, a super productive last few days. And uh, I got a lot of mojo right now. I don't know where it came from, but it's here. You never very, question very nice. the mojo. You never question yeah, it. Exactly. You just go with it. You just ride it. Ride it like a surfboard, man. Yep. Zach. <laughs> well, I uh, am almost done with the build of the uh, AFV Club Churchill. I would have been done uh, two days ago if my Spur Brothers order had not included the wrong size of styrene tube. Um, but, you know. You live and you learn. So I've ordered some more of that, and hopefully that should be done in a few days. Um, and then I just finished up a little vignette-based thingamajiggy with one of the Alpine figures I bought at the Amps Nets, and I'm pretty proud of that. I think it turned out pretty good. Turned out really good. Love that little piece. Thank, I, I would be asking you. if I could take it, but JB has told everyone it is his. Yeah, I'm sorry. I have no choice. JB will be getting this. <laughs> this is mine. I'm taking this. Uh, Mr. Maybury, how about you? Uh, I'm doing good. I have finished up a couple more kit or uh, another figure for nationals, um, 148 scale Royal models, British tanker from the desert. I was able to go to a show a couple of weeks or that's why I wasn't able to make the last uh, recording. I was in San Diego, uh, San Diego IPMS had a show down there. Really great show. Great people. Um, had a great time. I'm saying great a lot. There was uh, other than that, I've been working on a Kind of a small little project, a uh, 148 scale Stug B converted to a S, uh, they called it the SA-122, the Russians did. It's uh, the, one of the first basically SU-122s uh, that the Russians built, but they built on a Stug form. That's been fun. Can't say enough about Holler. They're, they are a great little 148 scale uh, conversion company, photo etch company for uh, that scale. Uh, other than that, I've been good. Uh, that's amazing to hear. Uh, yeah, that show looked uh, that <laughs> really good. Um one I would like to attend one day. And uh, yeah, it was it was nice to see some pictures from that show on the uh, on the page. Doug, how about yourself? What's on your bench? A whole lot of uh, 3D printed dinosaurs that are mostly just stacking up without paint yet. But I am painting some of them because I can print them faster than I can paint them. But that's kind of been my mood. Where Jackson feels like building, I've been feeling like painting. I did at one point decide I was going to build a quick, just a, what's her name? Just a quick build. Oh my gosh. Slammer build. Gosh, I don't know where that where that got lost. But uh, and I grabbed, I bought, I think it was at Commies last year. I bought a uh, to me a thirty second scale T fifty five, thirty fifth scale, sorry, T fifty five. And the guy that sold it to me said it's only missing the the machine gun on the turret. So I grabbed this thing and I went to town until I realized they took the entire sprue that the machine gun was on out, <laughs> and that included some other parts, like little detail parts. And I was like, can't win on this one. I'm gonna have to see if I can get that sprue. You should be able to get that. Yeah, get that. As long as that kit's still in production, they should they should be able to get it for me. But uh, so that was a little frustrating. But other than that, that's kind of where I'm at. Just just when I have time, I'm down here. I should clean up my room. It's it's a nightmare right now because I just keep adding to it. But yeah, that's me. I really like the painting you've been doing on those dinosaurs. Uh, The picture posting. It's really cool patterns and stuff you're putting on them. Thank you. I'm just sitting down without a real plan and just painting. I'm not, I don't have anything in my mind when I start. I just sit down, have the paints in front of me, have the the bust in front of me, and I go. 
So whatever I feel like doing is what I do. It's kind of an interesting way to approach it, but it's fun. Yeah, it's a good way of doing it. Uh, kind of like not thinking about it. You just you just go and do it. Yes. Right. I found right. some of my best modeling has been doing that. Mr. Scott Gentry. How's everybody doing? <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I haven't been doing a whole lot on the bench. I've been doing a lot of 3D printing, traveling. Uh, so excited to kind of get back to that. I just picked up Elaine Rivard's new TIE Bomber STL, and I am super excited. It's a beautiful digital model. I'm sure it's going to print really, really beautifully like all of his other STLs I have um, do. He's just really, really good at what he does. So I'm excited to to see what that looks like. But in the meantime, I have a Viper that needs to be done and uh, need to get back to working on that, you know, prepping all the parts and getting everything ready for primer. So that's what I've been doing. And I have not been playing Diablo 4 at all. Not not touched it, I bet. It's not even installed. No. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) None at all. Liar. (laughs) Well, uh, last and certainly least, me. Um, Nothing. It's too hot. It's too hot to model. So what I'm doing is my, my it, downstairs, my mum has a craft room that's like a conservatory sort of thing. Uh, I'm just going to start modeling in there because it's so cool in there. I just can't be up here. It's, it's hard being sitting here now. So yeah, uh, I know last episode I said I've not been up to much. Uh, the same, this episode, not been up to much. Uh, this time I have a reason. It's too warm. So I'm going to be the boring one and say, I've done nothing. You remind me of Goldilocks. Like too warm, too cold, not big enough. <laughs> It's just too difficult. It's just the room feels heavy. If I had a fan, you know, a really simple solution to that, um, I'd probably be able to actually get this Churchill started. <laughs> that really needs doing in 40 days. <laughs> or if you'd started, I don't know, like three months ago when I started saying, you start building that Churchill, it might have helped that too. When, when the weather was much nicer and yeah. I could sit in here and not have problems. Why would I do that? That's just too easy. You remind me of the person on the reels that say, you know, what if I, I'm really tired? And the person says, you know, if you've got eight hours of sleep, but why would I get eight hours of sleep? You know, I, it's just too warm. It's, you know, I, oh, I'm so hard. My life. International man of excuses. I'm very good at it. <laughs> um, okay. So, yeah, that's that's me. Um that's a t-shirt, International Man of Excuses. I'm sorry. That is a getting t-shirt. getting it made. Yeah, it's hashtag, happening. hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll roll on to the next one, which is purchases. I'll, I might as well start. Nothing. Again, uh, nothing's really caught my eye. Same as last time. I know there's a few models coming out in the future that I really want to get. Um, I really want that 135th scale um, Japanese uh, torpedo bomber that comes with the carrier deck and the bridge. That's going to be immense. Um, but apart from that, I can't really see myself buying anything. I say that and I'll get to Nats and I'm going to have the same issue as last year. So we're going to just move on from that and hopefully it doesn't happen. But we'll go back around the room. I'll start with Scott this time. Uh, any purchases for you? First of all, we've all hired a large man to walk around with Jensen with a, a yardstick. And every time he goes to buy something, we're going to have that guy hit him with it. Uh, no, no, Jensen, no. <laughs> that way uh, he doesn't throw uh, international shipping rates uh, out of whack, you know, after Nat's trying to get everything home. Uh, as far as purchases, you know, just the a couple of real weird things. First of all, I got some VMS Smart Mud, which is bizarre stuff. It works really good, but it's really, really bizarre. I finally got some of that and uh, excited to use that on some bases. And then 
I picked up some really small micro tweezers. They're ophthalmic, I think is how you say that, but they're really, really tiny and ophthalmologists use them in eye surgeries, but the jaws on them have little teeny, tiny, almost microscopic serrations. And they're great because you can hold on to tiny parts and they don't go shooting off, you know, across your bench and uh, cause, cause frustration. So those are really, really cool. And uh, anyway, that's what, that's what I've been doing. Lovely stuff. Um, Doug, how about yourself? Any purchases reach your bench? No, not at my house. Although we did pay a car off, so maybe next month. Hey, there we are. Okay then, Mr. Mabry, have you been spending? I have been spending. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's crazy me. I actually been in a 148 scale kick again. I, I was I did a lot of work 148 scale before, but now I'm really back into it again. Uh, Tamaya's new stuff. I got the new Tiger um, in full interior. I cannot remember the name that makes it. Who makes that? I'm sorry. I just picked that one up, which is a beautiful kit. 148 scale full interior is crazy. Is that Suyata or is that the yeah, new? Yeah, I was about new, to say Suyata. It's Suyata. It's Suyata. Okay. Yeah, I yeah, I just totally blanked it. I did have. I do have their T90 also, which is the, the beautiful kit also. Other than that, uh, I did pick up some new tools. I was, I, I picked up the, I, I had to get new nippers. I swear to God, I, I don't know what happens to my nippers, but I probably shouldn't cut metal with them. Um, that, 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 that would help. <laughs> so I did new nippers and um, I did get uh, a few odds and ends, but I actually was lucky enough to run into a guy on Etsy. My wife pointed it out to me. That was getting rid of his entire collection of evergreen sheets of uh, she styrene. Um, so I ended up basically getting two complete catalogs from this guy for 150 bucks. For holy cow! Yeah, everything. So we're talking every kind of uh, flat sheet thickness. We're talking tubes, squares, everything. Two complete loads. It was a he was a guy that worked in the business out here. Uh, worked in Hollywood. Um, was a filming guy. And he had two things of them from his buddy and he sold them to me for 150 bucks. So I got two full catalogs. Incredible. Yeah. Wow. Unrelated question. What's your yes. address? <laughs> uh, uh, area code uh, 00003. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> asking for a friend, right? That- <laughs> yeah, asking yeah, for a yeah, friend. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that's it. Nice. Uh, the Evergreen stuff is one of those, a big grudge buying it, but always need it. And when you have it, it's like, this is so useful. Yeah. Exactly. It's it's exactly it's it's one of those things where I would actually kind of take someone's cutoffs. You know, you get all the different sizes and little you know tubes and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes it's just that's what you need, as 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 Zach knows uh, that he's <laughs> so uh, you know that's that stuff is is worth gold to me. Mm-hmm. So Grant, God hands or Tamia or what did you get on the nippers? Uh, sorry. Uh, yeah, uh, nippers. I always go with. Uh, to, I I've had God hand and I broke them. Um, I'm cutting on some little bit of a little bit too thick of I guess sprue, which is hard to believe, but you can break those things pretty easily, and they are expensive to say the least. Um, I use Sharp Nose Tamaya, the new ones. That's my that's my brand of my favorite brand. Nice, Mister Grizz. Hello. So I've been uh, I've been good. I just bought a car, so I've been trying to make sure I don't spend too much on anything else, which has gone reasonably well. Uh, me, Jackson, and TJ just went in and ordered stuff, some things direct from VMS. So I think I got uh, some clean slate, some paint retarder, two other things I can't remember. Um, let's see. In my cart for Sprue Brothers, I currently have 
styrene tube, one of the uh, the lightning deal T-34s, which are probably gone today, but we'll see, and um, another kit. But it's hard to pass up on a $27 yeah. kit like that. Yeah. It's so uh, hard. A Rayfield right yeah. right models T-34 yeah. for $27. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's, a, that's a little bit more than you're going to spend at Five Guys. I mean, come on. You probably spend less on that kit than at Five Guys if you get a drink. <laughs> <laughs> exactly but yeah other than that i've been i've been pretty good my wallet's been been happier for it really glad you got a new car though that that old car was stressing me out if it was stressing you out just imagine <laughs> me <laughs> okay mr jackson I'm what about also, yourself i was gonna say real quick i'm also very happy zach bought a new car because i remember there was one time he was coming home like from work at the end of the night and he was like yeah my headlights aren't working and i'm driving on these country back roads and you know backstate tennessee and i can't see anything and i'm like you need to get a new car that's that's where i draw the line (laughs) but um yeah i've also been pretty good when it comes to buying kits my stash has outgrown my shelf for like the last probably four or five months so I've, i've really been trying not to spend any money on kits themselves and i've been good at that i've been tempted uh especially when scott sends the the daily lightning deals from screw brothers in our chat and then i look at it and i'm like oh want that i have to resist but uh i i did make one impulse buy recently um other than the vms stuff that zach mentioned so i think it was like a week or two ago i was talking to zach on discord and i had i'd had a few um glasses of of modeling fluid and zach goes have you seen the new anycubic photon mono 5s and i'm like no i haven't and he, <laughs> he pulls up the page and i'm looking at it so for anyone that doesn't know it's it's anycubic's new 3d printer um i think it's coming out i think they just shipped their first batch this month now a lot of this might be marketing ploys but it sounds really really good on paper i think it's like 500 it's a 12k printer what I was really interested in is it's got auto leveling. So it's got sensors that auto level. You never have to level it. Not that that's a big issue with like some of the, like the mono 4K and stuff, but it's still awesome. It's got like three times the, the print speed of like the normal mono series. It's got resin detection. So if it t- detects that you're running out of resin, it'll stop the print and it'll pause it. And so you have to, it'll like tell you, Hey, you need to refill your resin. It's got print failure detection. So basically it's got like a smart sensor where, and again, might be marketing employee, but apparently it detects like common failures with prints and actually gives you, it says, Hey, this is why it failed. Uh, here's what you should do to fix it in the future. So they basically had like a special, I think it, it ended actually yesterday, the 16th, where it was like an early bird price. You could pre-order it and get like a hundred and $50 off or something like that. You know, not sober me saw all those things. And I said, Oh, this sounds awesome. <laughs> and it, uh, it's a pre-order. So, you know, it's why not? And I clicked the button and uh, woke up the next morning with $500 missing from my bank account. I was like, oh. <laughs> that wasn't a dream that actually happened. <laughs> Needless to say, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it to, to get here. And I love 3d printing. It's, it's a, it's a second hobby. So I'm really excited to mess around with that whenever it gets here. That that's that sounds great. I mean, the oh, no. auto leveling that that tells you what's wrong. That is fantastic. I mean, I'd love to have, just for the tell me that I'm running low on resin. To tell you mm-hmm. the truth, I mean that that's great. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, and those are all just benefits on top of it being a 12k printer, which you know I'm running a mono 4k right now. So yeah, that's, way more that's resolution. Exactly, you're at 12k now. Oh man, mm-hmm. that's great. I, I'm excited for you to see it. You know, um, I bought an M3 Premium and you know, it's an 8k or whatever, but even, even less than the, 
resolution. I love these incremental improvements in the manufacturing of the machines and the innovations. That's what's making all the difference for me. I love my M3 Premium over my uh, Mono X6K. And it isn't the increased resolution, it's everything else. So I'm excited to see what you do with the uh, the M5, Jackson. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it sounds like they've added everything that I would want because everything they've added is the reason I don't like printing. Exactly. Like, just, yeah. And like you say, hopefully it's not just on paper. If that all works, that's just faultless, like perfect. Sorry, real quick. I want to go back. I did order pre-order the M29 Weasel that is coming out real soon, which I have been crying about for the last 10 years because the old monogram kit that, you know, was probably made before the lower three people on the screen were born. So, you know, that is, uh, and that is going to be a great kit, ladies and gentlemen, you need to pre-order one because I will guarantee you those things are going to fly out the door. I'm really excited for that kit. That might be the one that breaks my, my no kit streak. Yeah, that's going to, yeah, that's going to be a good kick. And with someone like you who can do CAD work, you can add the amphibious stuff to it. I mean, you're going to you're gonna have a blast with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good job no one's bringing you seven kits to Nats in it. Yeah, that, that'll break it either <laughs> way. <laughs> yeah, I didn't buy it. Those were gifts, right? That's true. These are gifts, so it doesn't count. <laughs> the Triple P is sponsored by Tankraft, mix of the highly realistic aftermarket 3D printed tank tracks in 135th scale. Tankraft Pro Tracks are as real as it gets. These are not just copies of previously produced model kit parts. These designs are based on real one-to-one scale tank track links that Tankcraft has measured and photographed. These designs are then downsized to 135th scale, printed and then test fitted to major brand 135th armor kits. Having used these tracks, we can honestly say that these are the highest quality tracks that we've ever used. Super detailed, easy to assemble, with very fine, almost invisible layer lines. Cleanup is minimal and usually not even needed. So go on over to tankcraft.com right now. That's T-A-N-K-R-A-F-T.com and get yourself a set of pro tracks. While you're there, check out the other cool scale modeling tools that they sell. Your bench will thank you. And just a reminder, Posse fans can get 15% off their first order using the Posse 15 code at checkout. That's P-O-S-S-E 15 at checkout for your discount. Okie dokie then. I think it's time for our first discussion point. And I'm going to hand this over to Jackson because he had a really good idea. So yeah, Jackson, take it away. All right. So we're going to start it with a little lesson in in modern Gen Z slang. So there's been a trend on TikTok lately. Uh, The term uh, canon event has been used. And basically that stemmed from the new Spider-Man movie. I must say I I haven't actually seen it yet. I need to. I'm excited for it. But haven't actually gone out and seen it. But essentially, uh, that movie spawned this this term canon event. And what it means is it's it's any like thing, any event that you had to go through to make you who you are, right? So for Spider-Man, that's him getting bit by the spider or his aunt or uncle dying. Like those are things that had to happen and they made Spider-Man who Spider-Man is. So a lot of people lately on TikTok have been like, oh, like my kind of event was, I don't know, like meeting this person or, you know, getting into college or like some traumatic thing, right? It's shaped them who they are. So I have the idea. I wanted to ask you all basically, what is your scale modeling canon event? Um, and I can start because I, I have, I think, a pretty good example. So maybe it'll help you guys think of uh, your own. So for mine, it was my first Amps Nat show. Uh, so prior to that, it was a very like, personal hobby. I did it by myself. I talked to a few people, but it wasn't really a social hobby at all. 
Um, I had gone to a few IPMS shows a couple months before that. I had gone to uh, our local big show, the um, Old Dominion Open down in Richmond and uh, tried to meet TJ. He did not seem too interested in meeting me because he seemed to have a lot going on that day. I think he was doing some posse stuff. Uh, so I didn't get to talk to him too much. And then that was about it. And then the Amsnat show. Uh, so at the time, the the Sherman Group build was going on. And um, Steve Reed and I had talked a little bit uh, because of that. We had talked online. I'd never met him before, but he had been building that IDF monster moving target. And I'd given him some advice on that. We started hitting it off and he was like, hey, like, are you going to Amps? I said, I am. So I go to Amps and I meet him. I meet Steve Bunsell. I meet um, Angel, the guy who runs uh, Microwolf Games. I just met a bunch of different people. And I have to give a huge shout out to Steve. He, like any person, he would go and say like, hey, how you been? Like reintroducing himself uh, or catching up with someone. He would always be like, oh, this is my friend Jackson and introduce me to everyone. I guess because I became so involved at that show, it kind of caught the attention of uh, you guys. He invited me on for the round table. Um, and then everything was history after that. It started this cascading event where um, I, I started talking to more people in the community. I started becoming a lot more friends with uh, closer friends with you guys. Um, and it completely shifted the narrative in terms of like, I guess what my hobby was, it became way more social. I would go to shows to hang out with people as opposed to the, the show, which is something we've talked about a lot. But the other thing that completely shaped my modeling was developing that close knit group of friends where I can send a model, send pictures of like a model I'm working on and say, what does this need? Where do I go? What's my next step? And all of you guys will give advice and like all that feedback is something that I didn't have before when it was a, a personal hobby. And having that feedback now, it, it's helped me produce some of, I think, my best work. And it's something that's like so crucial to my hobby now. I, I do not think I would be producing the same quality as work as I am now if I didn't have that group of friends that could kind of help me. Because, you know, multiple eyes are better than one. Like I I, I look at my model, and I'm like, I have no idea where to go and I'll send it to you guys and you'll be like, oh, like you need a CPU pin wash or something. I'm like, all right, cool. And I'll try it. And that's the missing part. And that helps me figure out what I need to do next. So I would say that that was my canon event going to that amp show and all the things that followed from that, just the domino effect of becoming more social. It completely changed my hobby. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was great. I guess I'll go next. This is a great question. Uh, I, I, when you posted this, I was, I started thinking back and, you know, we can always say, oh, you know, the canon event was my dad showing me the hobby for the first time, or, you know, like you said, a show or something like that. And I'm going to say something. I'm, I'm, and the reason I'm going to say this is, is kind of weird, but the biggest canonizing event for me for this hobby, I think would have to be COVID being locked down for a year or in change had a massive effect on my, my hobby, my mental state, um, and all of that, because before that I was, you know, I, I was doing stuff. I was going to nationals and I was meeting P I know J I knew JB and this, that, and the other thing, but it wasn't until I was forced more into the, this realm that we're in right now through COVID that I was able to grow my skills because uh, I was like, like you said, uh, that, or, you know, Jackson is that you you had people that were looking at your stuff and saying hey yeah you need this I didn't have that as much before I had it with friends in person but I didn't have it as much as a worldwide helping block I didn't really talk to modelers in England or Australia or anything like that until COVID and then I started meeting these people online and we started talking and we would go to these smaller groups and talk and show each other's work and send photos back and forth and, and that grew my understanding of how to weather, grew my understanding 
of how to paint figures, uh, flesh tones, especially, you know, that, that really, it's hard. It's, it's, you know, a pandemic is kind of weird to say about, you know, that helped you the most, but it did. It really, really did. It forced me, you know, being in my fifties, it forced me into the internet a little bit more. Um, it forced me into this new realm of, you know, Instagram and Twitter and these other things. And it, it was, it was one of those things that just helped me grow so much because I was forced into this interaction that I was not used to. And, you know, if it wasn't for, if it wasn't for COVID, I would have never met Scott. I would have never met Jensen I, or, you know, and I would never have met anybody else. I would have never met the posse. I would have, I would have listened um, and stuff like that. But, you know, it was, it was COVID that brought me all together with you guys. So I would say that would be my, my event. Yeah, that's awesome. It seems like uh, that's a common thing in the hobby is yeah, people becoming more social and stuff and, and all the benefits that come from it. Uh, Jensen, I'd like to hear what your canon event was, if you've thought of any. Yeah, I have. Um, I probably, uh, it might sound a little self-indulgent, but hear me out. Um, so this is going back to the early days of the posse when it was just Scott, TJ, Doug, and JB. And they were doing an episode and one of the listener feedbacks was, we'd like to hear young people's perspective on on modeling. And I I listened to that and I thought, oh, that'd be cool. Because at the time I was young. Um, and I, I thought, you know what? I'll send them an email. I'll send, I'll say, hey, I'm relatively young. Um, I can kind of maybe give you an insight into how I see it because... I've been doing it since like 2015, nearly 10 years. Uh, um, and I'd like to think I know a little bit about it. So I sent an email, not really expecting to get much from it, like just maybe some feedback. Uh, and then a very short time later, I got a message from Scott saying, hey, would you like to come on and be a guest? And I was like, whoa, uh, yes, I would. And then from that, it kind of all snowballed on my involvement with the actual community. And then next thing you know, I'm being asked, would you like to be a host? Uh, and this was after the IPMS Vegas show and i watched all that go on and that was my first real look at what the u.s shows had to offer because before that i never really knew and then it yeah it just snowballed dramatically into this this huge involvement in this amazing community meeting all these amazing people everyone i know now is from me sending one email and being invited onto the podcast to talk to these incredible people yeah it's kind of it's 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 kind of still strange to think about that it's odd because usually i'm i'm used i'm kind of one who's scared to reach out I kind of just sit back and wait for things to happen. And it's no way to be. It's like, now, nah, if you, if you want something to just go and get it done, make a move. Uh, definitely something I'm learning from Jackson. He's a, he's a, he's a go-getter. Yeah. I was like, you know what? Send an email. Um, and I did. And probably the best thing I ever did. And here we are. I'm a host on this amazing podcast and I'm friends with the greatest people on the planet. What more could I want? Oh yeah. And I get to build models now and again. <laughs> What's ironic about that Jensen is, you know, you're one of the main reasons, like we've talked about, why um, I had the idea and called uh, Doug and uh, TJ up to start the posse because of, of the you know the scale model shed. And we've we've gotten into that in the past. I won't beat that dead horse, but I'm gonna go next since I'm already rambling. Um, I'm gonna call um, my canon moments. It's Doug's fault. Um, so, y'all, uh, too many years ago to admit to decades. I met this guy that shared my passion, but was ahead of me in a lot of ways. I mean, he had actually had an Iwata airbrush. He actually had a, a silent air compressor. I was still using that slumming 
testers, you know, can that you shake up and put in the bowl of hot water and pray that you've got enough air in it to finish your paint job with, you know, you know, with Doug's help and his knowledge, you know, I was able to actually kind of take the hobby from something I was very amateurish with and actually see a different side of it. And, uh, you know, when it came time in 2020, I just had this idea and I just kept coming back to it of, of doing the posse. You know, the, the first person I thought of was Doug and, uh, called him and, uh, he thought I was crazy, but he's a, a good enough friend that he was willing to lend a hand. And then we called TJ and the rest is history. So like you guys have said, the, the idea of starting this audio podcast about a visual medium seemed daft. I mean, that's a that's a Jensen word, right? Just completely silly, but it works. And I think it works because... You know, we focus on uh, on friendship and making the hobby more social. And I wouldn't, you know, be friends and and know any of you guys and and all the great things we've done. I wouldn't be a member of IPMS. I wasn't for a long time. Um, all of that is because of because of the community, our great listeners, our amazing partners. It, it's awesome. You know, it's like we have the biggest bunch of of friends that share a passion you know, literally, you know, thousands of them. And, and it's just, it's been incredible. So yeah, that's my answer. It's Doug's fault. That's awesome. And I throw it right back because it's Scott's fault. There you go. But I'm not, I'm not ashamed of my age here, guys. Um, <laughs> it was April of, two, of 1994. I took a job with a company that was an aerospace uh, supplier. And, and I mean, I had a, I was, helping in production, like just a production guy. And I got into shipping. And when I was shipping, I had to get paperwork signed sometimes. And sometimes I'd have to go into the quality department. And that was Scott. And he had a couple of airplanes sitting out on, I don't even remember. I think there was a MiG-29 on sticks, probably a 144 scale. It was teeny. Um, and I started talking to him about it. And that was later in the year, probably in the fall. And the rest is history. After that, we started getting together to build. And we started, you know, we started going to the show, the old, the gathering up in Ogden, Utah, which was our local show for a long time. And uh, yeah, and I learned a ton from Scott. He may say I taught him something, but I've learned more from him than uh, than he's ever learned from me. Yeah, man, that was almost 30. It'll be 30 years ago next year. So long, long time. Why are you shaking your head, Scott? <laughs> 30 years. Damn. Yeah, so we're at least 30 years old. And and Zach, how old are you? Uh, 22. <laughs> yeah, that puts it all in perspective. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Zach, how about you go? What's your canon event? So kind of similar to uh, yours in a way, I think mine is definitely becoming more involved in the community, especially surrounding the podcast, because like like you were saying, it's it was definitely a this is my hobby. This is what I do by myself in the basement and what I'd done that for 10 years or whatever it was. So moving from that to now having an incredible group of amazing friends, not only just within the podcast, within the community that it's created and all of these amazing things that it's allowed me to do has, has totally changed. I think my hobby, how I do it, what I do and everything about it forever, completely. It's led me to paint things more. It's led me to paint things better. It's led me to try totally new subjects. I would have never touched before. Like you would have never seen a Mac on my build until TJ and JB got into a buying war over them. So yeah, I think I think that has been the the thing that has changed my hobby and even more than that, even just my my personal life in a way, more than 
anything else that there could be by far. Yeah, it's really it's really interesting. It doesn't really matter. You know, we're joking around about age and being old and stuff. But Jackson and Zach, both of you guys, Jensen, you guys are a lot younger than the other three of us on the call. But you guys all inspire and contribute completely. I mean, skills and skill sets and perspectives that we just don't have. And I've learned, you know, kind of to Doug's comment, I've learned more from you guys than we've ever, us old guys have ever taught you. And that's one of the reasons that we're so passionate about breaking down barriers between age groups and genres and and what kind of models you want to build and everything, because everybody has a unique perspective and talent and and skill set. I mean, Jackson's one of the best 3D designers out there. Zach, when we met you, you didn't even want to paint your models. And damn it, you're better than <laughs> better than better than I'll ever be. I mean, you know, it just it's it's amazing how much we contribute to each other. Um yeah. if that's just a sanity check, if that's just a different perspective, you know, um Jensen, we've talked about, you know, that Ford Ford Model T ambulance. It just had a had a huge impact on me. That build was important. Doug's 1144 scale Millennium Falcon that he made a, a couple of years back or yeah, it's probably a decade now. I don't I don't know, but you know, and Grant, you know, your work and it's just, it's amazing um, what this online, the power of this online collaboration and getting getting to meet people because everybody contributes to you. This is my view, but everybody contributes to me. Right. I'm I'm a better modeler and a better person because of all of you guys. And that sounds maybe corny and cheesy, but it's absolutely true. Yeah. Um, would any of us be the modelers that we are without a, a TJ or a JB or you know any of the rest of us? I don't I don't think so. No, I, I agree hundred percent. And you know what I find really interesting about this topic, and and Jackson, this is a fantastic you know discussion point. Is that all of us said it's the community. It's what we are now. Before, you never would have had this. The community was so small in our own little individual worlds that it was it was not there. But the community, it's not the models. It, it's not a certain model that changed you. It wasn't this, that, or the other thing about an individual. Te- it's the community. And Scott's right. You know, I learned, I've learned so much from, you know, Jensen, just looking at his work and, you know, his, his, his staff uh, figure sitting on, standing on the bridge is it, it, to me still one of your best, if not your best build, in my opinion, Jackson, your work is, is phenomenal. What you can do with the U S vehicle is, you know, unbelievable. You know, Zach, you're, you're pissing me off that you're becoming a figure painter now, you know, and that's just, you know, you got to stop. You just have to stop or I'm going to start breaking fingers, but I'm learning things from you, you know, and, and, you know, I'm older and as I see these things and I see these ideas, you know, and, and, and look at like Martin Kovac, Martin Kovac, what he's done for, this community by opening up his style, the way he does things. Adam Wilder is another one. Adam Wilder is, in my opinion, a very undersung hero of this of this this hobby because what he he does he built with his products and his design and his methods are great. Um, and we didn't know about that much about him before. You know, they say you know it takes a community, takes a group of friends or a community to make something, and it's true. And you see it in this hobby every day. And I see it with you guys every day. I see it with every other single podcast out there. You know, they show and they talk about what they do to improve. And you know, there's everybody's got their own style, but you know, this is this this community 
a group of people sharing ideas, talking about it, you know, talk about the discords. We could talk about discords all day about, you know, we all talk offline and we all show each other images. You know, there's, there's tight, tight, tight organizations out there. People, you know, I, before, if you told me I would be flying to four or five times a year to different states to go to model shows, I would have been like, no, you're crazy. But I do it every year now. And I, I really do. I'm flying, you know, I flew to Seattle. I flew to Colorado. I'm going to Texas. I'm going to Chicago. Uh, there's a couple other trips I'm trying to make, you know, and, you know, it's just crazy. You know, four or five years ago, I was sitting in a basement or not basement, but I was sitting in a desk and by myself listening to books and just working on models. And now I have this huge community and that's what it's all about. Yeah. I mean, yeah, couldn't, couldn't have said it better really. And and I know I said this to TJ the other night in, in chat because he mentioned it. I think he'd have a few too many drinks. If you think I would spend thousands to travel around the world, halfway across the planet or travel to Europe, it's not just for the model show. I'm not, tr- I'm not spending that money to look at someone's built models. I'm doing it to reinforce those friendships I've developed. This might sound uh, not how I intended to come off, but spending that money is nothing in comparison to the value of the friendships I've developed. Do you know what I mean? It's like, right, fine. I can earn more money, whatever. Those friendships are literally priceless and I would never change them. Yeah, agreed. And, and, and I would extend that, you know, even outside of our core group, group, you know, we've been lucky enough to talk to, you know, Jeremy Moore and Martin a few times and Adam, you mentioned uh, Jensen and, and Graham and, and Luke over in the UK and Spencer and, you know, just on and on and on. And all these people, I think, influence what we do and, and, and how we do it. You know, we may not relate. 100% to any of them but you know I think again they all contribute to us and you know we're you, you every every show we talk about builds that inspire us from the posse group you know just every single member of the posse group I think has a has a little bit of this piece of the pool or whatever you want to call it but anyway yeah Jackson great great discussion topic I haven't really thought about that I wasn't aware of that terminology so appreciate the uh the uh, hipster lingo <laughs> I, I, I I, I guess, but it's it's a really it's a great way to look at this, and it's a great way to kind of consider how each of us have gotten here, and and also in our modeling where we're at right now. And it can be anything, you know. It can be as small like a, a mini one I had was just finding Andy's channel when I first started modeling. You know, I, I did one model, and I was like, "That's it." And then I found Andy's channel, watched a bunch of videos, and that's something that launched me into the hobby. And I wouldn't be here without that. And uh, one final note, I, I just think it's it's cool that a lot of your guys' answers, because we have been talking about the social aspect and how it's changed our lives, like even though we're talking specifically about scale modeling canon events, I feel like a lot of what we said are like actual canon events for our for who we are as a whole, right? I mean, like Jensen said, mentioned traveling across the world and stuff. I wouldn't have been, you know, in England with him, John Everett and JB walking across bridges and stuff, like if it weren't for this hobby. And that all goes back to the canon event of me going to an AMP show. So it's really awesome. Um, if any listeners have any canon events, I would love to hear them. Please post them in the the posse page. And yeah, I'd like to hear uh, what everyone has to say and how they became who they are. We're going to have a lot of feedback for the next episode after that question. I think so. That's going to be good. That's going to be good. <laughs> Jackson just drops the question and dips. I'm not dealing with that next week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Every every episode, we like to go through and pick out something that's really stood out to us on uh, the Plastic Posse Facebook page. 
So we're going to get rolling right now with uh, Jensen. Why don't we start with you? Okie dokie. So I really liked Scott Peterson's Models Fit F51H. I actually don't like the aircraft. I think it's a P-51 made more ugly, but the actual finish on it is stunning. A really nice natural metal finish on the fuselage, but also paid close attention to do the painted metal finish on the wings um, because the, the, the Mustangs, I'm going to call it a Mustang, had lacquered wings, but natural metal fuselages. And the the different shades and patinas that he's achieved on the actual fuselage of that is just really well done. I love seeing natural metal, especially when it's done well. So yeah, I think Scott did a really good job with that. It's a really nice model uh, of a very interesting looking aircraft. Very cool. I'll go next. Um, William Chill, Asgard Modelers, or Asgard Miniatures, his M10 Wolverine diorama with figures is really good. It's um, what really caught my attention first was the figures um, and the helmets in particular. The first thing I noticed is these, uh, they just, they just looked real to me. You could have, you could have easily taken these and, and, uh, tweaked it just a little bit and pretended it was the real thing and I'd have believed you. The uh, the armor piece itself, the Wolverine, has got some really nice weathering on it, some really nice finishes. I, I just just kind of grabbed my attention. Anyway, Asgard Miniatures, man. That, good job, man. Thanks for sharing. Let's go to Scott next. Yeah, what caught my eye is uh, a friend of ours, Frank Blanton, RVA Models is his uh, Facebook ID. He's been working on a, a 135th scale Valentine doing the running gear it's kind of an interesting way to put a model together um, in the order that he's doing it, but it's really cool. And he's given a lot of love to the tracks. You know, the Valentine is a pretty interesting suspension setup as it is. He's been doing a really, really great job. Uh, he's been a little brutal on that tank craft mat on his bench. So, uh, you know, Frank, try to be a little careful. You know, those those mats are great. Uh, just kidding. But um, yeah, I really like the work and to keep it up and keep posting updates. Can't wait to see uh, where your project goes. So yeah, Frank Blanton, uh, 135th scale Valentine. How about Grant? What have you seen? I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Luke Pitt Type 97, uh, 148 scale, 3D printed tank. Um, he posted it couple of days ago. He's pretty, he posts a lot on the 148 scale websites. Luke is a fantastic person. Um, he's also a fantastic modeler. His work is, is very, very for that scale, that, that, that vehicle looks fantastic. I've seen some of his figures. He does a lot of converting and we all know Luke. Luke's a great guy, uh, but his work is, is fantastic. And I'm, I'm being, it's very impressive. The palm leaves that are hanging off the top of the vehicle, spot on. If you look at the vehicle, I could, you could swear it's either 135th or even bigger. It's, it looks great. Luke, you're doing a great job. Uh, again, it's uh, Luke Pitt, his type 97. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, I almost chose that one myself, uh, but you were, you'd already uh, taken it. Um, Jackson, what have you seen that you like? So I saw um, Stuart D. McClelland. He did a new spotter. I posted it to the Bossy page and a bunch of the Mac pages. Um, he basically did the new spotter on one base and he did the little figure of the the boy Eddie on, on another one. The camo scheme on that really strike me. Um, I don't recall if any of if he mentioned in any of his posts, if he had airbrushed it or brush painted, but he basically did this um, like two tone with yellow accents. And then he did these hard edges. Uh, and it, it reminds me a lot of like a, like a spider, almost um, very like cold looking build um, in a good way. Uh, it just looks like cold metal. I love the new spotter. I love it when people do almost like creepy 
like camo schemes for it. And I think the way he painted that model, it just, it strikes the right notes and it just, it looks awesome. So I also love the base. He did, um, like I said, those two separate bases for Eddie and the new spotter. So they're separate. So you can pose them however you want, which I thought was a cool idea. And the groundwork on them are, are it's it's well done. It's, it's simplistic, but it's it's very well done. So that is my shout out. Thanks, Jackson. Zach, you're last. What do you see? So I, uh, I was on through Facebook and Peter Fidlotsky had posted his uh, Ming Panther A, I believe it is. Yeah, I think it's an A. Um, and me and me and Peter have been in a uh, self depreciation war for like two years now. Um, every time one of us posts, the other one goes, "Oh, you're better than me." Uh, it's you know what you do. But I have always admired his photo etch work because I like photo etch. And he just does such clean, clean work with it. It's amazing. And he's finally stopped working on a plane and gotten back to armor, which is always what we like to see. Don't don't be like TJ. <laughs> but um, it's a it's a really nice looking model. And I know he's going to do an incredible job once he finishes this build and paint it into something just masterful. Seeing his Sherman at Nats last year was mind blowing because you think it looks good in pictures and then you see it and you're like, oh, OK, all right. This is just amazing. <laughs> Very nice. TJ's going right. to get you. Good. Get got. Yeah, I want to get got. <laughs> get gotten. All right. Let's talk about upcoming uh, shows and events, Scott. Yeah, thanks, Doug. Man, we've got a full calendar, so I'm going to try and go through these uh, kind of quick. Uh, obviously, we have the IPMS Nationals in San Marcos, Texas. That's August 2nd through the 5th. Uh, Saturday, August 19th, we have the Best of the West uh, in IPMS uh, Las Vegas, along with a whole bunch of other model clubs down there. It's uh, August 19th at the Orleans Hotel and Casino, obviously in Las Vegas, Nevada. We have the Boise IPMS Fall Show, September 9th. Uh, contact for that is Brian Geiger. He's uh, modeler63 at yahoo.com, and you can reserve a table or sponsor a category at that show. I'm going to try and make it up to that one myself. It's uh, only about five hours north of me. So uh, details are at ipmsboise.org, uh, HTML. We have the Central Arkansas Scale Modelers 22nd Annual Show, September 29th and 30th at the Jacksonville Community Center. And uh, that's going to be an awesome show. You have seminars by Jim Rice, our very own Ken Childress, and also Rusty Nail, who is supposed to be an incredible painter. I haven't seen his work, but I hear he's amazing. Uh, we have IPMS Orange Con, a show that Grant knows something about. That's in Buena Park, California on October 1st. We have PAXCon 2023, a.k.a. GeekFest. Uh, that's at the Hollywood Volunteer Fire Department at in Hollywood, Maryland. And that's October 7th. If you're in that area, support uh, that, that show. It's their inaugural show. They want to do it every other year. And uh, they could use your support. Tables and uh, categories are uh, still available on that, I believe. Uh, we have Vancouver, IPMS Vancouver Ball Show. That'll be held at the Bonsoir Re Recreation Complex in Burnaby, British Columbia. And that's uh, October 7th. And uh, so if you're in the Pacific Northwest and uh, go give that one a shout. We have, of course, the one and only Scale Model Challenge in Eindhoven, October 14th and 15th. Some of us will be there. 
We have MMSI at the Chicago Marriott in Schaumburg, an unbelievable model uh, model figure show and, and art show. Uh, just terrific. Uh, Grant and I will be there October 20th and 21st. And we also have the one, the only Scale Model World show at Telford in the UK. That's November 11th and 12th. So, um, yeah, pretty full calendar. Uh, please, if you're in any of these areas, go support it. You will have a great, great time. You'll be inspired. You'll meet some good people. Uh, give it a try. And I've got one thing I want to, I guess, plug, if you don't mind, Scott. A few of you guys know that I volunteer at a, a local museum in Virginia. Um, it's the Americans in Wartime Experience. We are a private collection of over 50 running vehicles, historic vehicles. And every year we do an open house. Uh, so this year it's August 26th through the 27th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. It is in Noakesville, Virginia. If you are anywhere close to Northern Virginia, I strongly recommend coming out. Uh, we do, we run the vehicles around the track. We have them all out in the fields where you can go up and touch them. Uh, we do a flamethrower demonstration. We do a reenactment where we fire the main gun on a Sherman. Um, it's a awesome time. There's a lot of scale modelers that go there. My local AMPS chapter will have a table there. There's also, I think, two other Virginia chapters that will be there, like Frank Blanton's chapter and uh, I think one other. Pete Colclaw is going to be there. Like it's it's a huge kind of like scale modeling convergent zone every year. Uh, so you will not find any shortage of scale modelers there. But still, you got tanks, you got everything, food trucks. It's it's an awesome time. It's a free event, but donations are heavily encouraged. They help us keep the vehicles running. So strongly recommend coming out if you can make the drive. August 26th and 27th, where where again? That is in Noakesville, Virginia. You can find our website. Uh, it's americansinwartime.org. You can find all the information there. Uh, also, a quick uh, question, Jackson. Can we, mm-hmm. vol- or can we donate on that website if we can't? We're nowhere in the area, but we want to help yes. out. Okay. You can you. indeed. We do have a donate section. All right. Great. The Triple P Matt Group Build is sponsored by Bases by Bill. Bases by Bill specializes in making beautifully crafted wooden custom display solutions for scale models. Built by modelers for modelers, these premium quality display cases and innovative base designs are available for just about any model in size. Their custom size display bases ranging from 4 to 30 inches provide the perfect foundation for dioramas and vignettes. And remember, if you don't see what you need, just ask. Chances are they can customize the perfect solution for you. Check out basesbybill.com and see their new custom display products for busts and figures. Use the code POSSE15 at checkout to apply a 15% listener discount to your order. Bases by Bill for all your model display needs. Okay, it's time to take a look at the Mac Group Build update for the upcoming show at San Marco, uh, the big Nats show. Uh, so, Grant, how's the uh, how's the page doing? Any updates? Uh, it looks great. Uh, I'm I'm sitting in for uh, TJ today, so I'm trying to look all sexy and manly. Uh, so I, I want to talk about a few of them builds. Um, you know, first of all, I want to say thank you to everybody who is 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 building. Even if I don't mention your name or I don't, you, you know, I, I, the page is taking off. It's great. Can't wait to see everything in San Marcos. First, Scott Hall, Nutcracker. What can you say? It's a nutcracker, man. It's a great kit. It's a great build he's doing. I, I really, really think his his work is good, and I'm really enjoying it. Then we go to Jeremy Moore. Yes, the Jeremy Moore. The Mark 44 is underway, um, and you know, and that's he, Mark. It, it, Jeremy's great cover boy and everything. So uh, you know, and uh, I really think that, and, and I appreciate 
appreciate him joining in with us. It's, it's a great build. Then Young finishes Jose and Pilot. I probably pronounced that wrong, but um, I've only been building Mackay since 2005. So, um, but I can't say last names anyway, so don't worry about it. His work has been fantastic. The Pilot looks great. I would not want to say that too. You know, sometimes with Mackay, it's the, the it's the peripheral items that it, that really sell it, like the paint that uh, Jackson talked about uh, on and things. Um, so I, I really think his Pilot really sells this this aircraft. Um, so just really, really good. Uh, let's go down to Greg James, um, getting some uh, paint on his uh, Grosshond. Another vehicle, another another great build. God, so many. Um, there, there is. I mean, the people, what they're doing is, is fantastic, and we love to see it every day. Joel Munson's Raccoon. Um, nice. Very, very nice. I don't know what to say. I keep on saying the same words, but, you know, the, the work they're doing, these people, are it's great. Uh, and, you know, we can't. You know, say enough about Mr. Cliff Herring, Mr. Capital, hashtag Easter egg, hashtag what's that three on the back for? Only a few of us know, uh, you know, Mr. Make himself, um, his work, everything, everything from the the yeehaw on the front uh, armor plate to the, uh, I can't remember what the, the, the cake is that JB makes for us all the time. Um, Fun Betty. Funfetti, there you go. Sorry. Wow, I forgot Funfetti. That's that's sad. So Funfetti marks, you see the names, you see things here and there. Look, look, look at the serial numbers, closely at the serial numbers. Um, you'll find stuff. Everything in that thing is great. Cliff, you're killing me. Thank you for throwing out the third Ranger bat um, and all that. So that's 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 some good stuff, man. I really do appreciate it. All right, that's it for the uh, the group build. Please keep on submitting photos. We're, we're looking at them every day, um, and uh, we're having a great time. So let's go to feedback uh, from Doug. All right, this week we're going to start with Kenneth, Kenneth Childress. He says, the interview with Bill really struck a nerve in a good way. His thought process is exactly like mine when it comes to creating a story in your mind to explain why things are the way they are in a diorama or vehicle. For example, when I'm working on a what-if conversion on a vehicle, I cannot just glue stuff on for the sake of looking cool. I mull over things for days or weeks and figure out how it would work or if it would work and then build that. It drives my sci-fi friends crazy. When I did the Sherman with the P-61 turret, the superstructure height was based purely on the room it needed to fit an actual P-61 turret and all its components. I was thrilled to hear Bill describe an often chaotic thought process in such a clear way. Uh, Bob Bear, the voice of Bob, uh, responded to that saying, the passion of Bill Huffman comes screaming out of the speakers. It's impossible to listen to him without uh, talk about his modeling journey and not want to sit at the bench now. I also was a latchkey kid from grade school. Trouble? Oh, yeah. Frank Blanton says, Greetings, Posse. I enjoyed listening to episode 71. Good to have Jensen back. Glad to hear about the new Amps chapters formed by recently by TJ and Scott. As a member of Amps since 1998, I have judged, been a table captain, and at times, AJ, ACJ? What is ACJ? Armor, armor, armor check armor judge. judge. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And I am happy to, that the organization is growing. The interview with Bill Huffman was particularly interesting as my modeling career mirrors his. Also, a fellow latchkey child, it was up to our imagination to occupy and entertain ourselves. And for me, modeling filled that space. I, too, am incredibly critical of my builds and striving to be better. I echo Doug's statement about modeling what people grow up. I grew up listening to my father's stories about serving in Europe in World War II, so naturally I modeled subjects from that conflict. 
Then later, when Star Wars hit in 1977, modeling doors opened to the world of sci-fi modeling. What a journey. I hope Bill and all the Posse members listen and have an enjoyable journey. Thank you, Frank. All right. Tyler Shepard. Hey, guys, listening to the new episode, wanted to chime in on how I feel I've improved in the last 12 months. The area I feel like I've improved on is my focus. I've been very proud of myself for just sticking to the HK 148 scale B25 through the whole process and not getting distracted or frustrated and just pushing the model aside and forgotten about half finished. The B25 is getting very close to the finish line and I'm very excited to see the end product all together and start my next project. Also something I was thinking about while when listening to this to the discussion. I miss when you guys used to have one or two not so popular modelers uh, from the Facebook group come on and give a short interview and be part of the discussion before your later interview with more popular modelers. I hope you can that can come back again soon. I really liked hearing from your average everyday modeler. I, th- I think that's my job. You're the average everyday modeler? Yeah, I'm, 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 that's me. You got to build stuff first, Scott. <laughs> you got to oh. stop just printing. Oh, damn. (laughs) Brian Geiger, I've really been enjoying the energy and enthusiasm of your podcast. Many of your guests have commented on the same. What used to be a solitary event has now become a social network. The other kooky thing is that I have a super low threshold for advertisements. When your sponsors come on, I find myself stopping and actually listening. They sound like something for me. It looks like your event calendar is pretty full, but please allow me to pile on. We're having a show on September 9th in Boise, which we just talked about. Thanks, Brian. And now remember, this posse page uh, is for everybody. Come on and post and you'll see a whole bunch of cool stuff like this week. New to the posse page, but a longtime listener, Patrick Jensen shared his current projects, including a Royal Danish Air Force F-16A in 72nd scale, as well as his Danish Army Leopard. How about Rich Hull's Arc Models Hurricane Mark One? Lots of build issues he had on it. He started it as a mule, but he finished it as a jewel. It's beautiful. Come check it out. Also, Ben Ben Flood shared a bunch of pics from Model Expo in Melbourne, and Bill Webb dropped folders of pictures from Wonderfest. Be free to go onto the Posse page and check it out. It's some great content. Remember, you can send your feedback and suggestions to us via email at plasticpossepodcast at gmail.com. I think we're ready for an interview, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of uh, folders of pictures, uh, Aaron Cook went to Wonderfest and had an amazing time. And uh, he and I sat down late last night and uh, talked about his experiences at Wonderfest. And uh, it's a a show that's been at the top of my list for a long time as a sci-fi nerd, uh, hoping next year I can get to it. But anyway, here's that interview with Aaron and uh, hope you enjoy it. All right. Welcome in, everybody. We are joined tonight by a good friend of the posse, good friend of mine, Mr. Aaron Cook. You've heard him before on the show. Aaron, how have you been? Been great. Been great. Glad to be back. Thanks for having me. So just got back from Wonderfest 2023 in Louisville, Kentucky a week ago. So kind of in that post-convention glow, I guess you can say from that. So it's been a, been a good time. Well, the two of us are fellow sci-fi nerds, and (laughs) maybe for those who don't really know 
what Wonderfest is. I mean, I'm I'm dying to go to one, but maybe tell everybody, you know, what is Wonderfest and what's it like and maybe how's it different from other model shows you've been to? Sure. Yeah. And and this is my first Wonderfest. So I, I've heard about it in the past and uh have for one reason or another just never made it, which is kind of sad because I've got a sister who lives uh uh, just about 40 minutes down from the convention site. So I've got a ready-made hotel room there for free. Uh, but uh, I've, I've, I haven't been before and have always wanted to go and um, really wasn't sure what to expect. You know, I've been to plenty of AMPs and IPMS shows and national conventions and that sort of thing. But uh, this one I've heard is always different. It says it's sci-fi modeling, but I was kind of wondering what that actually meant because, you know, there's plenty of, you know, sci-fi conventions that are cosplay or wargaming or that sort of stuff. And I, but this, this seemed to be billed more as strictly on modeling. So I, I thought, you know, I had the, the weekend and my, my sister actually joined me too. She's more of a gamer than a modeler, but um, modeling adjacent. So she was interested in it. So we went down to a, to visit my other sister and kind of make it into a family get together slash, you know, Wonderfest exploration. So um, it is, it is two days. I think it's on a Saturday and Sunday. It's always around the first week or two in June, I believe it's always in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, it's touted, I think as the largest sci-fi fantasy and horror modeling show. So you're not going to find any Emmy 109s or T-34s. At the show, um, you're you're going to find Star Trek and Star Wars, uh, Machine and Krieger, uh, maybe Freddy Krieger because the horror, you know, King Kong, Godzilla. You're going to find um, all that sort of stuff, and it's it. I, I suspect it started as a figure show. I think it's been around twenty years, if not more. Um, if you go on their website, I think it gives a history of it's been around for quite a while. Um, I suspect it started out more as a figure show, but now as there's been more sci-fi vehicle models, there's there's a pretty good turnout of that as well. So, um, and we got there um, Saturday morning, my sister and I, it was at the Crown Plaza near the airport in Louisville, and uh, it was already jam-packed, and I knew it was going to be a fun time just walking in. There's there's a few people walking around in in uniforms, like stormtrooper uniforms, and a couple people had life-size R2-D2 remote controls going around, and uh, uh, just seemed to be a good time. So we we started out in the vendor rooms. We There, there were two vendor rooms, uh, a small one and a large one, and we started out in the small one, and um, then I was like, oh, this is nice. And then we went into the large room and I, it was almost overwhelming, like the size of it. It it felt like it wasn't quite as big as Nats, IPMS Nats, but it it was pretty darn close. And to think that it was all sci-fi related, whereas if you go to your average IPMS show, you might find one table's worth of sci-fi in there or you know, fantasy or horror, but here it was all that. So it was... It was a lot to take in. It was really crowded. They had a great turnout. Um, so yeah, we we spent probably two hours at least walking around the the vendor rooms, and and they were an interesting mix. It was a, a little bit different than your typical model show. Um, it was probably I don't know, probably 60, 70 percent models, but then there was you know a good amount of like 
people who had comic books or if you, you know, every town seems to have one of these like nostalgic toy stores where you walk in and they have a bunch of like Star Wars figures and vehicles in the box from the 70s and, you know, all that sort of stuff. There's there's a good amount of that there too. So it wasn't just about the models. There's a little bit of the nostalgia and toys that were there. And then they had, uh, you know, some actors and model makers from famous films there signing books and autographs and all that as well. So um, I, I have to be honest, I really didn't seek them out. Um, that isn't my thing. I'm more into the models. But, you know, if you want, I think her name was Holly from Land of the Lost, the little blonde girl that was probably like eight years old in Land of the Lost. She's not eight anymore, but she's there still blonde and smiling, taking her picture with everyone. And the Slee Stacks were the the bad guys in that show so you could get your picture taken if that was your thing so but uh man if you want if you want obscure sci-fi or fantasy or horror resin stuff or you know obscure bandai you know stuff that looks like it's mostly just domestic japanese market type stuff this is this is your place to go so it it was full of all sorts of cool stuff to look at and buy all through the vendor room so it was a good time. So, um, man, yeah. it sounds sounds like a dream for yeah, a sci-fi yeah. guy, you know? Yeah, I know. I, I remember. I, I I think I I am to you uh, <laughs> somewhere along the way. I'm like Scott. You've got to get here. You you of all people need to get to this show. So it's it is is definitely good, and it's it's a good mix. Like if if you're into the Star Wars, you're into Star Trek. Um, you know, you're into Machine and Krieger. There wasn't as much Machine and Krieger there as I, I honestly thought there would be, um, but still more than you're going to see at any average show. Um, but then I was also surprised how much fantasy um, and horror type uh, stuff there was as well. So like my my sister is a big Godzilla fan. Um, she, she actually has a painting of Godzilla over her couch, which is really funny to look at because at first you just think it's a normal painting. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, wait a minute, there's Godzilla standing in the middle of the water. And uh, she was really excited because she found a lot of really nice Godzilla models throughout the show. So um, there's, there's stuff like King Kong or, you know, all that sort of stuff. Or if you're into, you know, that like 60s and 70s, you know, Creature from the Black Lagoon and like I said, we talked about Land of the Lost, all these all these shows that you grew up with, like you're going to find some resin there that probably depicts the characters and the shows you, you want to see. So I noticed there seem to be quite a few like uh, dinosaurs as well. Dinosaurs as well. Yep. Thank you. You're right. That was a big, big thing as well. There are actually a couple of vendors there that did nothing but sell, you know, really detailed resin dinosaurs. So and they, they were represented well in the contest room. Um, so yeah, dinosaurs were another thing. Um, yeah, really, really anything, anything that's not typically well represented at a mainstream model show. This is, this is the place that it's welcomed and embraced. So I want to circle back around, uh, you know, you mentioned earlier and certainly from the photos you sent me and, and, uh, that you posted, um, this was a crowded show. This was not a lightly attended show. It looks like uh, for at least a lot of the the show, it was elbow to elbow, you know, bumper to bumper in the, in those rooms. Yeah, it was. It was. It was incredibly crowded. Um, it was the the vendor room was was a little challenging to get through and, and see things. 
Um, and, and the contest room was the same way. Like it, it, it quite honestly, I suspect they've outgrown their venue and it's not a small venue. Crown Plaza Hotel is not a small venue outside of the, of the airport. It's, it's made for these sort of conventions. And I don't know if they just need to buy one more room and expand it out, but, um, it was it was extremely crowded, which is a, a very positive sign. There seems to be a lot of people there that they go every single year. You could hear people talking like, oh, you know, good to see you again this year. And um, but a, a lot of people commented um, that it was extremely good turnout. So probably still some residual pent up, you know, COVID type show, you know benefited from it you know i i think they missed a show like everyone else did in 2020 i don't know if they had one in 2021 but they they definitely had i can't imagine many more people showing up um we stayed only on saturday um so i don't know what it was like on sunday um if if the crowd died down at all or not but it was prepare to be close to your neighbor (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I get that. Well, hopefully uh, better better hygiene habits were practiced. Um, <laughs> some t- sometimes that can be a challenge. Um, yeah. Tell us a little bit about, um, we'll get back to the vendors and some of the other things, but tell us a little bit about the contest. You know, how are categories divided? Which categories seem to be really well represented? And maybe some, you know, what, what some of your thoughts were. Sure. Um, so, I'll tell you, we walked into the, the contest room uh, after we spent a couple hours in the vendor room. I think we took a break for lunch and then we decided to go in the, the contest room. And it was, it was, you walked in, you kind of stopped dead. Like it was extremely crowded um, and it was with people and models, I guess is the best way of saying it. Like every single table was just jam packed with models. Um, and we we chose to we was like well where do we start so we just picked one side to start at and uh it was interesting just as a side note as we walked in they they had hired some i think off-duty sheriffs to kind of be the the doormen at each of the the vendor rooms and in the contest room and um the, the sheriff in the the contest room was um just telling people as they walked in said please pull your name tag around behind you so if you're leaning over the models you don't hit the models which was really cool i thought that was very well done of him and and you know he he was doing a good job of communicating with everyone why not to do it and that was a new experience i've never never seen that at any show before but it was it was kind of a welcome thing i thought so uh so we started over on the on the i guess i'll say the figure side and I, i i didn't enter anything this year since this was the first year i was there it was just sort of a kind of get to see what it was like and kind of get the lay of the land. And um, so, but from what I did glance at some of the entry information, there didn't seem to be a a lot of categories compared to, you know, what you'd find at IPMS. Um, So there was a a number of figure categories, but then it, it seemed like when it came to vehicles, like there's only one or two vehicle categories and, you know, I'm used to IPMS where it's like, you know, allied 1939 to 1945, you know, Pacific theater or something like that versus, you know, like, it's just so 
granular where this is like vehicles like uh okay so you get to a, a table and there'd be like a voyager space probe sitting next to a star trek enterprise sitting next to like a machining krieger kit sitting next to a star wars a-wing and you're like uh you, my my ocd brain was a little like what um <laughs> it it is a gold silver bronze contest system so i don't you know, which I think might be the reason, one of the reasons why it's not as necessary to have so many different categories, because, you know, your your model's judged on its own merit versus, you know, being compared to all the models around it. Uh, with that said, I think just for, um, just for ease of viewing, it might, it could benefit from, I think, a few categories, you know, let's put Star Trek in one, Star Wars in another, real space in one, just because when you got to the vehicle tables, you could just, like I said, you could just see a mix of everything and, you know, you'd find, you know, a, a, a star destroyer on one table and then another one on another table and another one on another table. And it would have been, uh, to me personally, I would have preferred to see them all in one place to kind of look at them together collectively. But the, on the figure side, it seemed to be a little bit more organized to me. Like it, it made more sense. There's all sorts of fantasy figures together and all sorts of like Marvel comics figures together and, um, it, it, my brain was able to process that better, but man, there's some amazing work in this field, you know, and it's it, the one thing that you'll find that the, the sci-fi modeling and the fantasy modeling is uh, there's a lot more use of lights and, you know, motion and electronics in displays than you're going to find at an average IPMS show. So you find your enterprise lit up with all the lights in it, or you find, you know, uh, some horror scene where, you know, there's like a bat flying in the background or something like that. So it, it, it it's interesting because a lot more moving and lit things than the normal. So. Interesting. I mean, how, how did they fill the tables up? Was it just sort of put the models where they fit or you said, you know, the figures were kind of a little more organized, but it seems like some of the other tables were kind of like a, a, you know, a little bit more of a jumble. So uh, do you, do you know how they did that? Or No, I don't. Um, I, I, like I said, I think the vehicles, it literally looked like how they fit. I mean, there are, there are some tables that it, it was hard sometimes to see some models because somebody would have some little Bandai size, you know, Star Wars model. And then somebody else had brought in some resin six foot long, you know, star destroyer. And it's just dwarfing over everything underneath it. And, um, I, I do think, again, I didn't enter anything, so I'm not sure, but I was reading in the the, the contest information afterwards because I was trying to figure out a little bit more about it. And uh, it had mentioned to when they, they pick up the models um, that you have to actually like basically hand somebody a claim tag and they escort you to go pick up your model. Uh, so I assume that also means when you put your model down on the table somebody's guiding you to where to put it and you know that sort of thing which you know is an interesting thing and obviously helps security wise prevent theft which unfortunately does happen occasionally at a show where somebody's model just disappears but uh um the, the one thing kind of different than any other show i've ever heard of it is a two-day show the awards are handed out i don't know if they're handed out in a ceremony if they're just on the table at 10 a.m on sunday which is kind of an interesting time to me but then and you know if you go to a typical ipms show as soon as those awards are out everyone's packing up and leaving for the day um and 
if you don't you don't necessarily see what won what, um, especially at more of the local and regional shows where the, it sounded like the rules were where you have to leave your model there for a certain amount of time after the awards were handed out on Sunday. And, you know, they wouldn't release the models before then. So it sounds like it gave people an opportunity to then walk around after the awards were handed out and see, oh, this one a gold or this one a silver, which is cool. So um, I just didn't have the ability to go back that second day and see. But um, now that I know what to expect, I definitely am in the future and will be entering and finding out even more about it. But uh, um, it was, and, and size-wise, again, it's, um, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm, I'm a terrible person trying to estimate. It certainly wasn't the size of, of Nats, but I think they had a thousand models there. So if you take your average, not even average, you take above average IPMS regional show, you know, sometimes I, I you know, the ones around here in Ohio, you know, they have five, 600 models. People's like, that's a good show. And this is a thousand models. So you take, you know, the, the same size space you'd have for a decent size IPMS regional show and pack in almost twice as many models. That's what it was kind of like. So. Oh man, that's awesome. Well, as a modeler, um, compared to IPMS nationals, you know, subjects aside, how do you feel like the quality or the level of work overall kind of compared maybe to a nationals or an IPMS regional? Um, I would say fairly well. Um, I, I don't know. I can't speak intelligently about figure painting and, and painting busts because that's just not my area of specialty. But from what I, I mean, they, they seem very impressive to me. And it's, you know, the, the subject matter lends itself to just different sort of painting than I think you're used to at an average, you know, show where you've got a bust of a military figure. You've got all sorts of different colors, you know, you know, with, you know, like a, a monster with, you know, greens and purples and blending together, or, you know, a ghost or a ghoul with, you know, making them look, you know, like something coming up out of the earth. So there's, to me, a, a lot different techniques than I'm used to seeing, um, you know, even down to, you know, figures that look like they had actual fur coats on them, stuff like that. So just different stuff on, on the vehicle side, which I think I'm a little bit more familiar with, like there's definitely a lot of impressive builds on the table and stuff that like sci-fi modelers like to go big. I can't, I mean, like, like the amount of like two to three foot long star destroyers or starship enterprises or, you know, studio scale X-wing um, or the blockade runner. There's like two or three blockade runners that were really super sized. So there's, and done well, you know, sometimes I've noticed when the bigger the model gets, the harder it is to do well, because there's just so much to do. And um, there, there's definitely some models I think people have spent a lot of time on. Um, and then some some super creative stuff and super super obscure things. There was a, a a Star Wars model that caught my eye from a little now defunct um, franchise called Burger Chef, which was a competitor to, of course, McDonald's and Burger King. I don't know if you've ever heard of that one, Scott. I don't. It might have even been regional, but they're back in like 1978. They had a commercial running a promotion where if you went in and ordered whatever their version of a Happy Meal was, you got a 
you know, a poster, a Star Wars poster. And so they had like C-3PO and R2-D2 going up to the counter at a burger chef and, and ordering, you know, food and getting the poster. And then there's Darth Vader at the end. Well, these guys had made a, a little model of the, the burger chef sign with some Star Wars stuff. And then they had a, they had a cell phone sitting in front of it all playing this commercial which how these people found this 1978 commercial <laughs> from this you know i remember burger chef because i always remember like i begged my mom to take me there you know instead of mcdonald's because i thought the food was so much better well the food was probably like twice as terrible and she probably never wanted to go there because it was like just not good food at all but to me they always had cooler toys they always had more fun stuff so i always remember but i mean i haven't thought of the name burger chef since 30, 40 years, if not more. So to see stuff like that, it's like, who thought of that? Then who, who found this commercial and digitized it and, you know, built a model around it or, or our, our friend, John Everett made a, you know, if you've seen on Facebook, then the, uh, what, what does he call the frog, the machine and Krieger frog combo? There's, I, I forget what the name of it was, but he took yeah. a Lindbergh frog model. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. On the lily pad. <laughs> yeah, it took a Lindbergh frog model and combined it with some machine and Krieger robotics and made a uh, a frog with uh, on a lily pad. And it was just amazing to see in person. I'd seen pictures of it before. And, you know, uh, you know, I was walking around the contest room with my sister. And it's interesting to hear the perspective of a non-modeler. And she was just amazed, you know, because he had pictures of the, the Lindbergh frog that it started out as. And she's like, are you kidding me? I'm like, yeah, this is this is it. So there's there's just some creativity out there that is able to be done in the, that those genres that just you don't get the benefit of in the military vehicle or the civilian, you know, automotive world that you you see in a in a typical show that that just you you never know what you're going to expect on the table so yeah you mentioned uh, you know sci-fi modelers appear to be a little more willing to introduce animation or mm -hmm. lighting or in some cases sound um where you know more traditional sorry everybody uh, uh <laughs> you know kind of genres are a little uh, more reluctant to do that and i think i think that's a, a pretty interesting element to see only a sci-fi based show like like this one i'm i'm a little jealous if you can't uh, pick yeah, up on that yeah 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 i thought of you a lot there i'm like man scott would love this so what were uh maybe uh pick out maybe some pieces that really you know stood out for you i mean what were some things that really kind of inspired you or really kind of blew your mind a little bit that you saw at wonderfest well, the, the, the frog, Mac frog that we just talked about was one and the Burger Chef model was certainly a, a thrill. Um, There's a, uh, I'm not going to, I'm not a, uh, my dinosaur fluency left me at 10. So uh, I'm going to call it a brontosaurus, but I don't know if that's exactly what it was, but it was, a, uh, you know, the, the plant eating big brontosaurus looking dinosaur and it was well done and it was more the display. It was sitting, it was standing in water. So the display was just a mini kind of, you know, vignette of just the brontosaurus, but standing in water. And so the legs were covered by water and a little bit of the tail was under the water. Then it came back up, I believe, on the other side. And it was just a neat way of displaying it. It's like, okay, just instead of a dinosaur sitting on dirt, 
you know, it was just a, a neat way of displaying it probably more in its natural habitat, which I thought was cool. Um, there was a machine in Krieger, the, um, and this is bad since I have them all and should know the names, but the Crote, I think it was the two wheel kind of Walker thing. That's kind of looks like a star Wars ATST. Um, and it, it was done in like a, a scene with one of the suits and they were walking through what I, I believe was like a trench sort of scene. And somebody had lit the gun on the front of the croat, um, you know, and made it look like it was shooting out shells out of the front. They had it lit very brightly. And I don't know if it was cotton or what it was, but it was, it was done better than your typical flames are done on a, on a model. And it just looked really cool. Um, that one caught my eye. There was a Batman bust that I swear the leather on his jacket was real. I mean, it was so cracked leather and it just looked amazing. That was um, one of my favorite photos that you put. I mean, so yeah. great. So yeah. great. And and it is funny because, you know, there's this like Batman bust and it's in between a hundred other busts. But if you watch the people walking by, everyone kind of glance at some of these and then everyone would give pause and like, look at it. Like, like, they, it caught their eye immediately and they, they they just saw a level above that was in it so um those were those were some and i mean quite honestly there wasn't much out there that i was like ah eh, that's interesting but you know or not not my thing i mean most of it was was just like every every table was another table i go wow somebody actually did that or wow look at that so um there was a a ship, and I have to apologize. I I don't know what ship it is. It was in the back corner of the of the contest room, and it was mounted in a picture frame, and it was lit. And it was done really well, but like the full interior of the ship was done as done as well too, and like it was all lit inside. And if you peered in on the the sides of the like the docking bay and everything, you could see everything inside. It was just impressive and it was it was it could hang on somebody's living room wall and look perfectly acceptable as art on the wall so i noticed there were not one but at least two of the uh ten of four uh blockade runners like bobble young brought to ipms nationals yep. but yeah there were two just huge ones and in fact i think on the um tested youtube channel they dropped a video today talking to one of the builders of one of those uh, blockade runners yeah yeah i haven't seen i, I think i i saw something on facebook about it but i haven't seen the the video yet but i want to watch that but yeah they were those were impressive um and they they were impressive they were also sitting right next to a star a star destroyer that uh, must have been like four feet long and and <laughs> It, not every day is your your blockade runner that big dwarfed by something else on the same table. So um, <laughs> it's it's just again it's like like and then uh, you know I think you know you know the I don't know the the logistics dad whatever in me starts thinking like how did they get that here? How do they transport this stuff? Like that's somebody's got to drive a van there. No one else is gonna be able to sit in the back of the van. Like that thing takes up the full space so or but uh yeah it was there was there's a lot of impressive stuff there so i i i i will say that i probably didn't have as much time 
as needed to fully absorb everything. And I think that was just a, a combination of knowing I was only going to be there the one day, knowing I didn't have anything entered. And I had my sister along, but, you know, she, she was definitely having a good time. Um, but, you know, I, and just how crowded it was. I, I feel like if I was staying for both days, um, I would have been able to kind of go back and forth at my leisure and kind of view a little bit, little snippets of it at a time and absorbed more of it. So that, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah. That star destroyer that was scratch built. I, uh, I also wondered that I'd, I'd be, I'd, I'd see, I'd watch a YouTube video just on the logistics of getting that from sure, the yeah. house to the show yeah. and, and back. Well, let's yeah. circle, circle back around and talk about, you know, you, you talked initially about, you know, the vendors there and everything. I mean, I'm going to assume as a sci-fi guy that there was stuff available that you're not going to see at a regular model show. You mentioned some, you know, Japanese, uh, you know, sci-fi subjects, which uh, are, are always a little hard to get here. So, uh, you know, sounds like there were a lot of vendors, but great. I'm assuming great quality. Oh yeah, definitely great quality. Um, there and, and lots of like, you know, your, your garage resin shop stuff. So limited edition stuff and, and, you know, it seemed to be great quality that the dinosaur guys were there with their stuff that looked like great quality. And, um, there were, there were deals to be had too. There like, like they had the, the, um, Oh, uh, the, the razor crest, the, the, the AMT one, I believe mm -hmm. it was. And like most places had it for about 70 bucks. And there was one table that had a stack of them for 50 bucks. That's and a great price. Yeah. They, they probably bought up 10 of them. And, uh, um, we walked around a little bit and I walked back and there's one left in the, like an hour, like they, people just snapped them up. Um, but there were, there were, like I said, I think I said earlier, like not as much machining Krieger as I thought there'd be. What I did see on the tables was stuff that uh, maybe you're not going to find in your local hobby shop, but if you you ordered from Hobby Link Japan, this would be the sort of stuff that would be in stock. So, uh, but it it was more about like the the Bandai stuff that that you Scott probably more fluent in than I am. I, like there's stuff there I saw from Bandai, like I didn't even know this existed. Um, Gundam stuff, huge amount of Gundam stuff there. Um, and, but, but mostly the, the, uh, the kind of the, the, the boss, the figures, uh, of just whatever 60s, 70s show you can think of, you know, somebody's got a resin figure of it there. Squadron was there. Um, they had, you know, a selection of any, any kids, armor kits, aircraft, but they, they, they definitely had a bunch of the, um, sci-fi as well. Uh, the one interesting thing I saw is that like 1946 German UFO, I don't know what it's called, but um, Squadron had a couple years ago, like a limited edition. And um, they, I thought they were out of production, hard to find, but they had probably, maybe they found a case of them hidden somewhere, the new owners, but they had like 10 of them there and they had all the detailed parts for it, like photo etch and metal barrels and stuff I didn't even know existed for that. So. Um, I think Iwata was there with a booth. Uh, they had a couple, um, um, you know, people selling tools. And so they, they had a, they had a great selection and a Godzilla in every scale you could possibly imagine. So <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. I think you sent me some pictures of, uh, 
the old uh, older fine mold Star Wars kits, and they were yeah. like twenty bucks. I mean, it was yeah. un- unbelievable deal. Yeah, those were sitting in the back corner, right near the right near the land of the lost photo opportunity. And I picked them up twice, and I almost bought them, but there was there's one one older Machine and Krieger kit that I wanted to get, and I was kind of on a tight budget, and it was either or, and I decided to go with the the Mac kit, but the, those were tough to put down because they I knew they were probably a good price, but uh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well it sounds like uh I better put this on my calendar for 2024 because it sounds like it was amazing. Yeah, it really was. I, I I'm definitely not one that I'm gonna miss in the future if at all possible. Um it's it to me is you know it, as important to attend as IPMS Nats or AMPS Nationals, it's to me one to add on the list for the rotation every year. And uh, um, it just looks like it's going to grow in, in popularity. I mean, the, the the Gundam world is the kind of the, the modeling world of the future and the, the gateway to a younger generation. There's definitely a lot of younger uh, modelers at this. Um, I think there's a lot of um, carryover into the the gaming world. Um, the Warhammer type stuff, which there really wasn't much of that. There's only one vendor that had Warhammer stuff. I I had expected to see more gamer stuff, so it was definitely more focused on the modeling. But the the, the same people who were who were playing those games, I think, are you know jumping into the Gundam world and stuff, and and they are definitely you know welcomed with open arms in in this venue, and and you know you see a lot of it there. So um, it's a good mix of people, um, and uh, just seemed to be a great time. So. I definitely am not going to miss it again. Awesome. Well, we appreciate all the pictures. Uh, for those of you listening, if you'd like to take a look at the uh, images, there's quite a number of them. Aaron's gone ahead and posted those to the Plastic Posse group on Facebook. So give those uh, a little bit of a look and check those out. And uh, Aaron, thanks for uh, coming on and giving us kind of your report, man. I'm sure. uh, I'm even yeah. more excited than uh, than I have been to make sure I get get myself there in uh, 2024. Right. Right. Well, we will have to meet up there for sure. Yeah, definitely. And uh, maybe bring some, uh, both of us bring some work as well. Yeah. I, I'd love to enter. I'd love to compete there next year and, and, you know, see how that goes. It's, it, it seems like it's a tough, tough competition to, to earn one of their gold, silver or bronzes from what I saw. So. Well, it's great that people have, you know, a choice, you know, this, the science fiction uh, modelers have not always been represented well, but I think these guys have been a standard bearer for this kind of segment of the hobby, like you said, for a couple of decades. So uh, fa- yeah. fa- fantastic work by them. So anyway. Yeah. I Mark. will say that uh, I, I did uh, one thing I forgot to mention is fine scale was there, you know, fine scale, you know, he shows up at Nats or, you know, amps to take pictures of models and, and the fact that they're there taking pictures um of of some of the the models and it's going to get exposure and and fine scale model i think speaks volumes to the importance of the of the convention in the the modeling world so yeah that's awesome well maybe uh sounds like they might be adding more space or they need to at least so it'll be interesting to see how this show grows over the next few years 
Awesome. Well, thank you, Aaron. It's great sure. to t- it's great to talk to you. Great to have you back on the show. Um, before we let you go, um, you know, what have you been up to? What's uh, what's on your bench, and uh, you know, what's uh, kind of uh, um, occupying your time right now? Sure. Yeah. No, I've got got two things on my bench right now, and and uh, life's a little interesting for me right now. So modeling hasn't been something I've been able to do. Much of recently, but I've got a uh, 48 scale T thirty four eighty five that I'm currently is painted, is sitting here painted and um, chipped and waiting to be weathered, which seems to be the place where I sit and stall for a while and just look at it, going, "Okay, what what am I supposed to do next?" Like it's the first model I've ever built. That seems to be my struggle with every model, so <laughs> I need to get back at that one um i hope to be at ipms nats this year and want to enter that one into um the show uh 48 scale armor is my 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 first love i guess uh and then the other model i have is uh a machine and krieger i think it's the fireball one of the the uh suits armored suits um this is one of the old nitto kits i think it's one of their first ones and those are those are fun to build, but a challenge to build because they've got sprue gates that are awful large and fit that is, you know, like the fit of any 40-year-old uh, model. It's a, it's a little challenging. Fortunately, you can usually texture them up and, and take care of that. But it's, uh, it's one I've been working on. I've got it pretty much almost ready for primer. Matter of fact, this weekend, I hope to be able to sit down, spend some time on it and and get it primered up and maybe get a base coat on it. I haven't even figured out what paint scheme I'm going to use on it yet, but um, they're, they're so much fun to build. And I, I was trying to describe to my sister at the show at Wonderfest, you know, what machining Krieger is and how it's kind of like the, the armor modelers chosen sci-fi because you can you can paint it and weather it like a tank, but it doesn't have to worry. You don't have to worry about it being accurate. So, looking forward to finishing that one as well. Yeah. Well, um, hopefully, we'll uh, run into each other at Nats. Uh, we'll see if that actually happens. But you know, one of the high points for me of Omaha was walking the contest floor with you and kind of discussing you know models that caught our collective eyes. You know, ones I liked, ones you're, you that you like. Looking yeah, likewise. To, yeah, looking forward to hopefully, uh, you know, getting to do that in San Marcos with you as well. 100%. Well, thank you, my friend. It's always good to talk to you. Thanks for coming back onto the posse, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Great. Awesome. Thanks for having me. All right. That's a great, great, great interview with Aaron and really appreciate it, man. I'm, I'm like you, Scott. I'm ready to go to Wonderfest myself right now. And I've, I've always wanted to go. It's, you know, I believe Tennessee Kentucky. or Kentucky. Kentucky. Yep. Well, okay. They border each other. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> As Grant, Grant starts a regional war. Yeah. Yeah. Be careful what you're saying, buddy. Yeah, we all whatever, know. We all know Mason from Kentucky. <laughs> 
Yeah. So I, I really want to know. There's some great stuff down there. If you, I, I actually posted a couple of links from uh, Tested that were on there. They did some interviews down there um, and some great stuff on the page. So, you know, that was a great interview. Really appreciate it. And fantastic pictures that he's been posting. Really do appreciate that. Let's go on to our second discussion, which is, okay, old guy here, SIGs. And I'm going to let Jensen tell me, tell us what SIGs are. So uh, I'll keep it brief because they really are as simple as it comes. SIG just means special interest group. It really is as simple as that. So the UK is rife with SIGs. Um, they are very prominent over here. They attend every show, all the shows, absolutely tons of them attend scale model world. And they're really good because it gives every single modeler, whether you're a member of a club or not, you could just be a guy or girl who sits at your bench and builds stuff, but you want to attend a show and you want somewhere to put your builds that aren't in a competition or part of a club. So you can just contact the SIG and be like, hey, can I like put something on the table? And I guarantee they won't say no. So especially in test interest group, for example, over here, we have like the RAF one. Uh, so the RAF SIG will be all RAF aircraft, but you can also have SIGs that can borrow from other SIGs. So you have the RAF SIG, but then you can also have the Supermarine Spitfire SIG, which is a lot more specific, which will just be a table of only Supermarine Spitfires. Every different version, but just spit. They can, they can be vague. So like the Royal Navy, or you can have Royal Navy aircraft carriers. So you can be as vague or specific as you want. Uh, but yeah, SIGs are amazing. So I know that uh, there's more SIGs now up and coming uh, on the US side uh, just recently. And I mean, very recently, TJ got up and running the Arsenal of Democracy, the M4 Sherman SIG, which why there wasn't one already, it like, blows my mind because that's just such a good idea. Then there's the Asian Arms SIG, uh, covers 26 post-1945 Asian Arms. There's Black Swamp Modelers, uh, fantasy, sci-fi, horror, dinosaurs, etc. Uh, blue and grey scale modelers focus on modeling any American Civil War subject. Camo, C-A-M-M-O, dedicated to building and, building and presentation of wheeled and tracked military models. There's Formula One modeling, which obviously will be Formula One. HMM. WV in scale, uh, scale firehouse focused on emergency vehicles models, ship modelers. You can probably guess what that's about. There's a subcommittee, submarines, radio controlled and static display models. There's vacuform and resin kits, war wheels, which is armored cars and wheeled fighting vehicles. So obviously that's just a handful of the SIGs that are in the US at the moment. These are really easy to set up. All you have to do really is let uh, IPMS US know, like, hey, we're starting a SIG. They'll kind of check if it already exists, but it helps to do the, the research for yourself. Um, and yeah, you can set it up, create a Facebook page or a group of any sort and get it going. It kind of helps that we already had the M4 group build from last year's Nats with a lot of members and there's a lot of stuff on that page already. So that's now the M4 SIG. But yeah, they're really easy to set up, really easy to manage. And they're, they're a great, great way of introducing people to display models at shows that don't have to be in a competition or a club. You can just take it to display it, leave it there or show, talk to people about your models. And at the end of the day, just take it away. But like I say, they can be as vague or specific as you wish. Yeah, and one of the the main things you mentioned about SIGs is that you know you display them in a non-contest environment. I know there are some, I guess, limitations with IPMS Nationals um, in terms of like table space, so they don't really have the capability in a lot of the venues to display a lot of SIG tables. But I kind of wanted to add the fact that like SIGs aren't just for you know displaying models at shows, right? You mentioned our modeling the Sherman Group uh, build that's now the SIG. 
for me personally, like where that, where TJ and I came up with that idea was that like that group is like a wealth of information and stuff. And that's like another benefit to SIGS, right? It's, it's getting a really niche subject and compiling information, sharing ideas, like people that, you know, are all into the same thing. So that's another benefit to SIGS. You can start one as specific as you want. If you can find a couple, I mean, you don't need other people, but you know, you find a little group of friends that you're all interested in, I don't know, like range vehicles like target vehicles and uh you just start you know sharing photos you find and you know sharing the builds you're doing and it's it's a really nice collaborative environment where you can really get into a specific subject well i have a question you say that that if you report it to ipms they'll make sure there's not one already in that in that category but what if you have something like i've i'm looking at black swamp modelers and it's fantasy sci-fi horror dinosaurs etc that's a broad subject can you have another sig that's a more focused like takes one little aspect of that Mm -hmm. yeah so you could start one if you wished the star wars sig and it would be all star wars models or star trek or specifically the machining krieger sig so they can be vague and that's one of the things with with these groups with when they have such a broad umbrella over a subject they'll also be aware it's like yes but that doesn't also stop people being able to share part of that and be more specific with its focus gotcha yeah, I think the model geeks took their A4 group build and and moved that to a SIG as well. You know, there's been a lot of IPMS discussions of late and uh, SIGs have kind of moved to the forefront again. It'd be awesome to see that gain some movement here in the U.S. and have it play a role a little more similar, uh, Jensen, to the role that it plays at, at Telford and in the U.K. Yeah, um, yeah, over here and, you know, Jackson attended Telford, the Scammell World Show. SIGs are everywhere and the tables are just filled with... With models uh because usually they'll they'll do the display one year and then throughout the next year until the next show they spend all year collecting and building new models for the display so they're not repeating the same things over and over again it's really cool having those little uh sigs and groups where it is just a focus on one kind of specific area and like jackson said it's just a wealth of knowledge in that area so any questions it's people who specialize or i say on that subject uh we have one over here the the uh the typhoon sig or the tornado sig or the f-14 sig they are so focused and know everything on that subject is they're they're really good uh the face and usually usually there's a facebook page or group for these six right and just a wealth of knowledge yeah that's a great idea i mean if there's some way we could also maybe do a, a, a like a reference for people to look for SIGs on our webpage or our Facebook page would be good for us. You know, I, I think when you when you talk about the expertise knowledge, you think about, I, I automatically thought of Steve Baker for the F-15, to tell you the truth, because, you know, that's what he flew. He knows that aircraft up and down. I'm sure there's probably SIGs out there for that. But, you know, something like that to me is, is very, and sharing the knowledge is, is a great thing. Maybe... A SIG for, I, you know, there's there's so many ideas in my head right now. And you talk about that. There's such a chance. And, you know, I, I really, really like that idea. You could do six for the Churchill group you guys are doing. You know, there's a perfect one right there. You know, the Churchill, a Churchill SIG with everybody does. Not everybody likes a Churchill, but I think it's a, actually kind of a cool looking tank for British tank. <laughs> I, that's why I said that, Jensen. That's exactly why I said that. You know, you, know, you have, you know, Zach. You know, and, and and Jackson, you guys, Jackson, you've got a you know an opportunity with all the vehicles you work with on your part time job there. You know, Zach, you've got a wealth of knowledge that you could spread in a, a different one. And I, I really like these ideas. 
is. And, you know, I, I think if we could, you know, Scott, I don't mean to put more on your plate, but if there's some way we could figure out how to somehow to do, put them on our, our, our Facebook page that people could find them, you know, that would be a good idea too. I mean, Doug, what about dinosaurs? 3D dinosaur printing, how you, that would be good for you. And so, you know, it's just an idea. Yeah. The grizzle, the grizzle, I hate to be a kit. Uh, yeah. Sig, that's, that's yeah. got a big future. And then the, yeah. uh, the John Edward Bonani, uh, tritone German camouflage Sig. Um, right. That right. sounds like a really, really yeah. good one as yeah. well. The Grant Mayberry, why am I still doing this page? You know, Sig. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't Jason, hate no <laughs> no, no, you do. You torture them. No, 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 no. I oh, love you, you, kits you, when you I combine them with five other kits. Yeah, you open the box and, and out Throw come out the half of it. Ra- razor saws and the drills and yeah, exactly. the scalpels. And- he opens the Tamiya box and melts all the plastic down and then <laughs> reforms <laughs> it into exactly. an accurate yeah. kit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Zach, Tamiya kits have feelings too, man. I don't care. <laughs> so I was looking at um so the IPMS page, ipmsusa.org slash SIGs actually has a list of all the SIGs. That's where oh. I pulled the list that Jensen read. Um cool. obviously it doesn't link to like Facebook groups. So mm-hmm. that might be something that we could do on the Facebook side. But it does actually have an inactive section too, where it's all the the SIGs that were at one point. And one of the mm-hmm. ones I find interesting is they've got one that's fine scale paper modelers. Oh. So SIGs could also be a way of opening the door up to non-traditional plastic modeling at modeling shows so you could have i guess like a lego sig right at a at a modeling show or like this one you know paper models or 3d printing like you can open the doors to things that wouldn't normally be in the competition scratch building sig yeah so yeah i just i think it's uh i think sigs are something that would be really cool to see more integrated with like the u.s side of ipms i think it could benefit us a lot i like the idea of using all these these facebook groups that we already have like a lot of the facebook groups we have that we're all part of could easily be turned into a sig and you know it's really just a title but it could open the door to the future in terms of like i said six being more involved in in shows I mean, just the wealth of information that the people can share about a specific subject is that that's alone would make that those sites impressive. You could learn so much from a person who knows so much about, let's just say a Spitfire between the, you know, what's the difference between a yeah. Mark one and a Mark seven, something like that. That's, you know, that wealth of information, if it's not shared, it goes away. So reach out there, people. We, we have an opportunity to share what you've been studying for years and share it with others. Yeah. Jackson, send me, send me that link. If you don't mind, I'll put it in the show notes for all of the, all the listeners. And then, uh, yeah, Doug, maybe you and John Everett could, could think about like a dinosaur sig that would be honestly i'm you know all joking aside we've been having some fun with this but that'd be really cool you know modeling uh you know dinosaur seems to be something that's really kept you know capturing a lot of people's imaginations so yeah maybe we could uh, turn the uh mac group build into a sig once it's done yeah that's a great idea like uh i think that's uh that's all for sigs isn't it yeah i'll send you the link for the ipms uk one as well because that has a directory of everything awesome um and there's just there's, there's so many on the UK one. And they do have links usually to the website because usually on uh, over here, they use like WordPress to create a website. You can sign up through that website. It's merch time. <laughs> you know what that means. Bing bong. Who's that at the door? It's me. Why? We have merch. If you would like to rip the posse like Robert Klein, who sent us a great photo of himself wearing a 
sweet Triple P red t-shirt, you can check out all the awesome merch at our Triple P Spring page. You can find coffee mugs, t-shirts, jumpers, and even some of our world-famous Triple P lounge trousers. You can order all of your stylish plastic posse merch on the web at https colon forward slash double plastic hyphen posse hyphen podcast dot creator hyphen spring dot com or lounge trousers dot com. Well, thanks for riding along with us for episode 72 of The Plastic Posse. Your support, along with our great sponsors and patrons, help bring the Triple P to you every two weeks. Got a gripe? Maybe a suggestion. You can send your feedback to plasticpossepodcast at gmail.com. And if you haven't joined the Plastic Posse Facebook page, why not do that now? See you in two weeks and yeehaw! With gusto. <laughs> that was good. That was a good yeehaw right there. It's right. kind of my thing. If you would like to support the Triple P and become a Plastic Posse Outrider, it's super easy. Just go on over to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Plastic Posse Podcast and set up a recurring donation there. These contributions help offset the cost of bringing you the Triple P. There are three different tiers of support, starting at just a buck a month, and there are some great benefits. Early access to podcasts, premium access to the hosts, the chance to appear on the podcast, and exclusive PPP content. Let's recognize our amazing deputy marshals. These guys ride the range every month and do a great job. First off, we've got Brian Kreiner, Ken Childress, Nick Butta, Drew Gardner, Scott Hall, Tim Hulme, Frank Perone, Dennis Tennant, The Voice of Bob, Jeremy Diamond, Ryan Smith, Terry Wilkinson, Chris Lovewell, Andrew Callis, Ethan Eidenmill, Bruce the Model Noob, Steve Baker, Eric DeGleish, Joe Porsche, Graham Pearson, Patrick Brown, Steve Schaefer, Jay Kidd, Brandon Gentry, Robert Klein, Mark Ewing, Ted Kawahara, Toadman, Model Doc, Doug Reed, Greg James, Les Workala, B. Colt 1911, John Everett, Josh Buck, Black Rifle Model Works, Thomas Bannock, Mark Bradley, Zach Pease, Joel Munson, Eric Brubaker, Jeremy Moore, DB Scale Model Studio, Matt Johnson, Jeremy Elliott, Mike Talley, Previous Seat, Mediocre Middle-Aged Modeler, Dan Nofel, and J.C. Osborne. Let's also recognize our excellent posse foreman who give the deputy marshals a hand around the ranch. Eddie, Ross, George, Gary, Warhoff Models, Drew, Ross, Eric, Lynn, Cliff, Eric, Mike, Benjamin, Craig, Papa Steve, Logan, Red Beach One Studios, MD Models, JV, Damian, Kieran, Cody, Tim, Nukeman, Mike, Greg, Jack, Ash, Irish Pat, Paul, what's the deal with iBones models? Mr. Grizz, who despite allegations is not me, Jackson, MAK Armor, Chris, Lee, and Jamie. And of course, our posse outriders. We appreciate all of you, including Roger Newman from Down Under. Please consider posting a review of the Triple P on the podcast platform you use. Each five-star review helps other modelers find the plastic posse.
first of all, how do you forget Funfetti? It's now Saturday. I, I know. I feel like an idiot. I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> my only excuse is that I was sick last week. So that's my only Ah, uh, you're forgiven. Oh, thank you. Uh, I stubbed my toe when I was three. I can't remember anything after that. There you go. <laughs> exactly. I, I had trauma because I watched the Brady Bunch and Jane get hit in the nose with a football or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so I just finished slash binge the show Bodyguard on Netflix. It's like mm-hmm. a BBC show. I don't know if any of you. I know Zach's seen it. Mm-hmm. I love that show. It's yeah. six episodes. It is some of the best TV I've ever seen. Yeah. Agreed. It's it's fantastic. I watched it. He's same. a very good actor. Yeah. He is. Um, I don't remember his name, but he's good. <laughs> a lot of good. people think he's going to be the next Bond. Oh, I really? Yeah. I, I could that. see it easy. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of his name because he was in Game of Thrones, and I should know this. He yeah. was in Game of Thrones? Yeah, he was um, uh, Rob Stark's son. Richard Madden. Oh. oh. That's him. Richard Madden. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. It, that's it, the it same is. guy? The guy from The Red Wedding. Oh yeah, my God. Yeah, it's Rob Stark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it Rob is. Stark, yeah. Wow. Just I a wee didn't bit even younger. Make that connection. Yeah. Yeah. No idea. He looks so different now. Yeah. I'm actually Scottish. Well, oh. I think it's because in the show he had longer hair and it was darker too. And mm-hmm. like I think in real life he's like blonde or like a ginger or something. Yeah, so he's yeah, he does have a much lighter color hair in real life. Yeah. Right. I'm excited yeah. for Oppenheimer. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> The, like uh, the Oppenheimer movie. Barbie is going to go crazy. <laughs> the Oppenheimer. Yeah, they're coming out on the same day. Have a tearaway suit so you can go from Oppenheimer into Barbie with the proper attire. Yeah. I'm, what is the proper a... attire for a Barbie movie? Zach? Oh, you figure that out. I don't know. <laughs> Something in w- silicon. <laughs> <laughs> There's only one movie I'm looking forward to, and it's uh, coming out next month. Uh, the third installment of the Insidious franchise, mm-hmm. The Red Door. Yeah. I didn't know that was coming yeah. out. It's a, it's a, it's, well, over here, it's coming out 7th of July. We're going to go and see it at nighttime. Um, yeah, it's the third and final installment. Okay. Of that oh. that that series. Oh, I'd, yeah, I love it. Love it. I've only seen love the first, and I loved it. Doom, loved, uh, Doom yeah. two, Mike. Yeah, yeah. I don't know the this this the, the cinema, the all the scenery in that film just. Blech. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Is TJ here? Why? What's with? The, <laughs> yeah. what, why are these bad takes coming out? <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying this. I've not even watched it. I'm just oh. being a contrarian. Yeah, I knew you wouldn't. I knew you had. What I don't about, watch TV. I watch highlights on YouTube. What about Indi- Indiana Jones? 5? I was going to bring that up. Uh, I'm excited. I I'm do excited to hear what people say before I ever commit another dollar to that franchise. I am super scared. I am super scared. Yeah. I want to see it like six times in the theater like I did with Raiders of the Lost Ark, but I, I, I'm afraid that I will regret every penny like I did yeah. with Crystal Skull. Yeah. I'm scared. I don't know. I love this. I love the movie series. I love it. I love it to death, but I'm scared. Yeah. From what I've seen, like the critics did not like it, but mm-hmm. all the fans that went to like the premiere apparently yep. liked it from what I've seen. So yeah. that gives me hope. Yeah, exactly. That's the same. Um, That's what gives me hope. I'm, I'm going to get ready to be hated even more. Um, okay. 
Not Don't possible. like the Indiana Jones franchise. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Did that hurt? Just, just when I thought I couldn't like you less. Instead. <laughs> yes. you, can, um, you can send your feedback to Jensen Taylor. <laughs> Um, Next episode, yeah. Scott's going to announce uh, Jensen's resignation. That was definitely <laughs> not worst. Have you have you considered redundancy? No, I haven't. Have you considered yeah. involuntary redundancy? <laughs> <laughs> have Have you been introduced to our outsourcing program? <laughs> yeah. I know it's five o'clock, but HR wants to talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> I, bring, you know, bring your bring your things. Yeah, bring your, just, here's a box. Here's a box. <laughs> you know, I, you're Jensen. You, you bring up a point. I, I I know a lot of people that have never liked the Indiana Jones. Mm. I knew. Yeah. I, I uh, Ra- Raiders of the Lost Ark and Indiana Jones of the Last Crusade. Those are great, great mm-hmm. action films. They're a lot of fun. They're just really, really good cinema. Um, I can understand why people don't like the Temple of Doom or the Crystal Skull, but you know, Harris, Harrison Ford's an icon, and you know, for him to pull off uh, not just Han Solo but also Indiana Jones is you know a tribute to his legacy. Um, right. It's a good, it's a good franchise, but it definitely is not without its low watermarks. Oh yeah, yeah. There's, there's always, there's always, and I'm a big fan of the first one. And three, two, not so much, but you know, it's just one of those things. It's crazy because you know you have these these fantastic actors that do these movies, and you're just like, wow, what happened? And how much did you get paid for that? So, uh, but you know, Jensen, I agree. There's there's a lot of people out there mm. that just don't find the series very interesting. Yeah. Um, another thing I wanted to mention, and it's nothing to do with uh, uh, Indiana Jones, is. I don't know if anyone else felt this way, and I don't know if you've watched it, but the 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 teaser trailer for the Witcher series four, mm-hmm. for, uh, or series three, three, yeah, three. I don't know if it was just it didn't impress me, but I'm starting to think the reason for that is me knowing in my head that's his last season. Mm. Yeah, so it just kind of. Oh. It makes I didn't know it he was like, doing well, one more. Uh, yeah. yeah, the trailer. He he filmed this one, and then he 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 walked away. So it's like, right, well, okay. we're wow. gonna watch this new series, knowing is his last. So I think that yeah. kind of clouds my excitement for it. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Oh, oh, my Henry. Yeah, hopefully it's uh, as good as as one and two, and he goes out on a high note. At, you know, or maybe that's the reason he left. Who knows? But. Uh, mm-hmm. High expectations. Hopefully, it delivers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I love those first two seasons. Doing and I, I am not a Witcher fan. Like, I, I never played any of the games. I tried getting into Wild Hunt because uh, it was like free with gold on 360 back in like I don't know, like ten years ago or something. <laughs> I, I could not get into it at all. But I love wow. the show. Henry Cavill's phenomenal. I've, re- I've read the books, and the Wild Hunt is my favorite game ever. I mm-hmm. I spent probably 150 hours on it. I I loved it. Yeah, I'd probably yeah. enjoy it now if I went back to it, um, but I just didn't at the time. I think it's I was just, a huge Skyrim fan then. So mm-hmm. it's yep. just a slow burner to begin with. But once you like, it's like got your self established. It's like whoa, this mm-hmm. game is good um it, it took me like four attempts i was in white orchard for like forever and i was thinking this is really yep. boring but then as soon as you go to uh vellum it's like wow okay this 
the story to this game the and story its mechanics so and scenery yeah. and the the ost the soundtrack to the game is just like this for me it's kind of the the perfect game yeah it's just amazing yeah skyrim is another great game you mentioned jackson i love that game as well but um i think skyrim might be a little more beautiful than the witcher but as far as storytelling goes uh the witcher especially if you get the uh, add-on the two add-ons to it um the second add-on is as big as the base game and it's just it's beautiful yeah. well 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 done it's it's something like 27 hours of storytelling cutscenes as you play i mean really really tremendous i think yeah i think that was is that what blood and wine and the other one was Heart, yeah hearthstone blood and wine yep. yeah 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 it's 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 just yeah even to this day they're still doing updates and the game's like 10 years old mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's just good it's it's good <laughs> yeah, and the, the book books are really good too have you guys read any mm. of the books no, i want to yeah. buy them but i don't read <laughs> when he says don't he, he means can't i can yeah. read <laughs> he I reads can read as well as he builds level. models <laughs> 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 Absolutely got it. <laughs> I mean, I can't, I can't disagree. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. yeah, I'm too much of a Skyrim fanboy. I, I love that game. Oh, Skyrim's great. Yeah, I just, w- easily my I just wish game. one of these decades we'd get a, a, a successor for it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, they're going to release Skyrim on everything. It's going to be in your, your fridge next. <laughs> They the released in your the next Tesla. Old Scrolls. <laughs> they released the trailer, well, teaser trailer, didn't they? Of just going through some landscape. Yeah. Like, okay, uh, cool. We'll see that in 10 years. That was like five years ago. It was, <laughs> yeah. Oh, 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 sorry. Um, okay. Fable 4. Fable no. 4. Fable 4. I am I'm giddy. It, oh, the, the, oh, wow. The first three were my childhood and now they released the trailer for fable 4 i was like oh my god that's so cool but this was like two and a half years ago and i was starting to think they've just given up on it they've cancelled it um and then it was showcased the other day and i was just like yes (laughs) everything i want from life is in that game (laughs) (laughs) when i said i'd be able to tell i'm excited (laughs) so zach what about you what are you (laughs) games or movies anything there's Oppenheimer, I'm really excited to see. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not really any games coming out that I'm all that excited about. I don't. I normally don't do a whole lot of gaming. I've been playing a bunch of Battlefield 2042 though, yeah. uh, which is a game. <laughs> I won't. I won't comment on the finished or quality of said game, but it's a game. Is it, is it still as bad as really? Like I, I remember this no. criticism. It's it's pretty smooth. I've not experienced anything crazy in it. There's some balance issues, but. There's yeah. always going to be. Is he just one of those people like to talk crap because it's become a meme? I yeah. think so, basically. Yeah. Like Nickelback. <laughs> yes. Right? Nickelback's good. No one can tell me otherwise. I mean, good might be a stretch, but they're not that bad. Okay, they have good songs sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've also been playing a lot of Halo Infinite. That's true. That mm, game is, I, like, yeah, we've I've been playing that like every night for the last few weeks. It's been Without really me. fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can join. Yeah, you see Nobody's us. stopping you to yeah, join. I I'm sorry. I, I've been playing a lot of Modern Warfare 2. Like, I've been sweating that game. Yeah, because you I, don't have a yeah. fan. 
Guardian. I see in here running really demanding games with no work on. I'm like, why is it so hot in here? It's like a billion degrees. And I've got like three desk lights on in my main life. It's hot. Thanks, guys. That was pretty good.